Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, Canada's longest-running soccer podcast, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And it's going to be a short show this week. There's not a lot to talk about. I think we can probably get this done and dusted in <laughs> under an hour. Well, you well, there's lots of audio you can use. I, I do have some audio to, to bring us over the course of the show, to be fair, yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes down. We'll, we'll go with the flow. I mean... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I have in my head that we can't go over three hours for some of the podcast apps, which is why one of the shows recently, I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before, I had to get down from three and a half hours to just under three. All oh, our banter got cut. Although I did note to Caitlin as I cut it, this just shows you how much shit we actually say in the show that is like not even needed for the show. But I like well, to keep it in anyway. And that doesn't even count the other editing. <laughs> oh, the chats that we have. I mean, sometimes you say things that yeah. shouldn't go out. Me? Sometimes they do. Are you talking about me? Yeah, well... But we we will come to that in some of our news of the week, yeah. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. there's a lot to get into. I mean, we'll we'll start off though with the with the big news. Christmas is cancelled. <laughs> My ten dollar bet on the white caps is not going to produce the eight hundred and ten dollars. Now, when I got home, because Caitlin went to bed super early tonight, so I didn't get back from BC Place at about nine. She was already in bed. I haven't seen her yet. I haven't woken her to break the news. She's not getting any Christmas presents because the Whitecaps have not won the MLS Cup. I just Can you just say I was right, you were wrong? You, you were right. That's as far as I'll go. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't bring myself to say those other words. <laughs> but yeah, there'll, there'll be no Christmas. We've had, a, we've had a good Halloween though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to see the, the woman in black. Which I should clarify because I did mention this on Twitter. It's a play, and I wasn't at some BDSM den, but yeah, that was good. Went to see that in North Van. I I will say though, my Halloween costume did not go down well. Y- you would have loved it. 
I'll, I'll, I'll describe I, what it no, was. No, 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 don't. See please. if you know Let's, who I came I, as. No, no, no. That's, I don't know who you came as. I, I was wearing a 1974 German World Cup jersey. Oh, no. But no pants. And oh, I, I was Golio? Or was no. it uh, the other guy? Well, let's just say I had no pants on and something may have been hanging down inappropriately. Who was I? Golio. No. I'll give Golio you a clue. I, I wore the 1974 World Cup jersey. I could also have worn the 1938 World Cup jersey. No, oh my God. Because he was a player no. in that World Cup. No pants on? Something hanging down? Who would I be? German? Helmet showing. <laughs> oh, Michael. Was he the manager in 74? He was the manager in 74, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a legendary manager. But I mean, apart from that, it's been a it's been a busy Holy week. Shown. Busy weekend of football. I'll talk UBC at the end. I've been watching FA Cup and I haven't caught up with the action today, but there's been some good games, been watching that. You you seen any good cup football this week, Zach? Maybe midweek? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is like this is three or You've four blocked, years in a row. Blocked that from your memory yeah. already. Well, because it didn't lead to the ultimate. I mean, the the ultimate would be if the coach got sacked. I think because again, this so this coach is, yeah. We, I mean, I knew I knew when he came out. Must be on a sugarly peg after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't help. It doesn't help the the getting rid of the coach. Doesn't help the fact that we 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 uh, you know soundly defeated Bayfowl Bay in the modern version of their classicer at the weekend away. If we if we had lost that game, then maybe there'd be a chance. But Tuchel will be around for a while longer. But he, like like I knew all this coming in. He doesn't he doesn't connect well with like players. He's not great at man management, and his tactics sometimes are suspect. And yet he can still do good things. Obviously, he made a Champions League final. He won another Champions League. Um, but yeah, he is kind of infuriating, and it, it doesn't feel. Like he'll be here. He doesn't feel like he'll be with us long, but yeah, I mean, for those those who watch that other league across the pond, there it's uh, one Harrius Kane is now zero for two for trophies. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel is one for five in trophies. Oh, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, Bayern lost to third tier Saarbrücken. Sa- Saarbrücken. I, Saarbrücken is a team I really actually I, I have an appreciation for because. They're one of the teams that over the years back in the day playing FIFA that I would use as like, I'm going to start in the third division as manager and, mm-hmm. and make my way up. And uh, so I, there, uh, there's only one or two players on the, on the, who were in the squad this week that I still knew from back in those days. But um, yeah, I have a, I have a soft spot from over there in the, they're near, they're kind of near Kaiserslautern. It's kind of maybe the closest okay. big team that you would know, kind of in the very over in the West. I've heard of Saarbrücken. Yeah. Well, because they were that's one of the reasons I chose them is because in the fifties they were like a big they were like they were like they beat Real Madrid and they were in the the, oh, wow. the European Cup and stuff and whatever they were yeah they were a big deal back then so they have they have a great history oh Kian's Froze has played for them yeah that might be yeah. how I know the name as well yeah I think he was in their cup run a couple of years ago they won to the semifinals or yeah. something I mean I do love cup football talking of cups but of uh, international level Saudi Arabia is basically now got the 2034 World Cup because Australia oh. didn't have time to put a bid together. 
Yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the bidding thing's clearly out, out the window now. And it's interesting, FIFA had always said that they were going to make it fair. But it doesn't matter if it's going to be fair or not if we never get to the voting stage because everyone's just crowned as to, to what they're going to be. Yeah, and I, I, I keep hearing from people within women's football that they're they're really frustrated that yeah, these next couple of tournaments have been announced and like no one knows where 2027 is for the women. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, there was an interesting quote. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the... the someone had, from the side of government that said it's a chance for us to show the world our rich footballing history, which you could take as one of two ways with all the money that they've got. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the other bit of international news this week as well, Spain's Louis Rubiales was banned for three years. And you were just telling me off camera, Zach, that you felt that was harsh and it was a bit of a witch hunt against him. Uh, for everyone listening, you know that that's not what I said to Michael before, <laughs> before the podcast has started and he's just making that up. <laughs> To, to have a go oh, on me. What, what a shame for, that bit will be edited out to get us under the three hours. <laughs> okay, but remind me, that's the, the Federation head, yeah, right? That's, that's not that's the coach. That's the Spanish guy okay. that, that had the kiss that the kiss, was felt the kisser, around yeah. the world. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. But I mean, I mean that, that's... His, sorry, his actions are not good. Not oh, yeah, not the bat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, digging that hole there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's our roundup of everything that, that's kind of happened this week. Putting off starting to talk about the White Caps, but we're going to talk about the White Caps in this part because the White Caps 2023 season is now officially over. So it was a tough playoff loss to LAFC, losing the series 2 0. We're going to delve into all that in the game. We're going to carry it into the next part, talking about referees and a lot more. And to help us do all that, please to welcome back to the show Harjit Jahal. Hi, hey. hey guys, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it feels Hi, like hours since I've seen you. Just a few. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into the into the game first of all for for the rest of this part. I mean, the Whitecaps fought hard, but they fell short against an LAFC side that I mean, let's be honest, they looked pretty comfortable for a, a lot of that game. They played superb defensively. They did what they needed to do in breaking the game up and clever fouls. And the, the Whitecaps just... I, I think they got what they deserved. They didn't deserve to win that one hard, but they, I don't think they deserved to lose it. If it had been nil-nil and gone to penalties, I, I don't think anyone would have complained. I think a draw would have been a just uh, ending a result, 1-1 or nil-nil or 2-2. Losing like that 1-0 and then, you know, the stuff with the penalties and the VAR, it's just kind of a gut punch on what was a, a good positive season for Vancouver. So it's certainly a, a tough defeat. It's hard to look back on the season as a whole. So, yeah, it's disappointing for sure. Hmm. Yeah, Vanny, Vanny himself said after the game, he thought that they, they, they didn't deserve to win, yeah. but they were worth a draw. But again, I, I don't think anyone would have favored them in, in penalties. No, I'm not sure anyone would have favoured them in that third game either, but... Well, that, that's another, yeah. It saved me an airfare, so, I mean, we've got that. And, I, of course, a lot of the talk post-game, Zach, will be about the officiating, and we will delve into that 
a little bit in this part, but more in the next part. And I mean, rightly so, folk are going to talk about it. And you can't blame that, though, for them losing this. Because if you don't put a shot on target in the first half and you struggle to connect your passes and you struggle to get much creativity going, and Ryan Gold was pretty open about that in the post-game as well, which we'll, we'll play later in the show, you're going to struggle against a team like LAFC. Yeah, offensively, I don't think they just had enough there. I mean, no shots on target in the first half, I believe five in the second half. I thought maybe they just ran out of gas. You know, they didn't score in the second half in L.A. They had some attempts. Brian White had a shot from a sharp angle. Ali Ahmed, White had the header. Ryan Gold had a shot. But just nothing really were they really dangerously, were they really challenged or they really made Max had to work very hard. So I think the offense let them down in these last three halves. Yeah, I think I think so too. I, I, Michael, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And I know a lot of people... Uh, are finding it hard to agree with that perspective the perspective that I don't ultimately as frustrating as the officiating would have been for a number of reasons which we'll we'll talk about in greater detail in a bit um I don't think it actually cost them the game pers- personally like I agree that it was a lack of creativity and a lack of finish I mean if, they, if you're gonna tie or win that game Brian White has to put that clear cut open header anywhere but into Max's, you know, chest, right? Like that and 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 based on this year and even a little bit in last year, you in one sense you wouldn't have been surprised by kind of that that happening on that play. But it was so it felt a little bit out of out of the norm that they weren't able to to you know create something at the end, but ultimately I think not not going through and losing the second game is more on lack of finish and and lack of creating quality chances. Which and then you can talk about the lineup. You can talk about the approach. Uh, I know. Har, I think I heard your. I think it was your voice, Har, uh, or, or other people in the post game press conference talking about switching from um, putting in a lot of crosses to not doing that until the end of the game. Um, and obviously, cha- the the lineup changed. Right. The, even the formation changed and. Mm-hmm. But what do you guys think? There was the two changes, right? There's two changes of lineup. Two changes. I, I I liked the lineup part. I thought it was a probably the strongest lineup you would have had. I, I, I we said in the show last week, I kind of would have liked a two striker thing going with Gold just in behind them. But if you weren't going to get that, what they put out there, I think, was the the lineup you would have wanted. Yeah, I really like the lineup too. I agree with you guys. I like Laborda coming in. I thought Ali Ahmed was really good. I think maybe you should have started the last game. So I, I like the the decisions that Vanny made with his 11. I know he talked about Richie Larea game and maybe not him having his best game. So he was a sub. Junior came on. I thought he did well. He didn't really have a lot of options to bring off the bench, to look for that equalizer. That was the disappointing thing. Like You looked at that bench and you're like, if we have to chase the game, which ultimately we did, Simon Betcher has been out of form. Junior Hoylett hasn't been doing it for the club. There weren't things that you looked at and like, oh, we can get back into this. Hoylett brought a bit of a spark. I, I, I didn't have a problem with the with the two changes. I think, yeah, sometimes Brown is on, sometimes Laborda's had good matches. So making that, and obviously Brown didn't have a great game in the, in the, in the first, I was going to say the first leg, uh, the first match. Um, so that made sense. And 
I mean, Vanny telegraphed, you know, in the post-match, you know, that he likes to play Schopf on the road and uh, and Alley at home. So it was almost like we knew that was coming. I don't, I don't know if I like the 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 switch in the switch in for the 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 minor switch in formation. I don't know if I like like you were saying. I'm like, I don't know if that was the best for for this game, personally. Well, and I and I liked and I liked and, and I know Vanny doesn't like this, but eventually they went to essentially like a a four two three one. Yeah, which I thought which I, I I think would be better for them and easier for them to all play. I, I think there had been an expectation that Giorgio Chiellini was going to play. And from speaking to folk that had been at training this week, it seemed they had been sending balls over the top that was going to maybe put some pressure on the centre-back because obviously Chiellini is a bit slower to have someone running at him. And then instead, you had a couple of really good, fast centre-backs that were in there. So those long balls that were coming over the top in the first half were just getting snuffed out yeah, before a white cap got anywhere near them. Which, yeah, which I think you saw them trying to adjust the, adjust from at halftime. But, I mean, that that's the luxury you have when you build your squad and invest in your squad in the way LAFC does. You can say, oh, yeah, Giorgio, we're playing on turf. Uh, it's not a must-win in one sense for us. We're gonna not start you. Oh, Vela, yeah, turf. Let's let's not make you run on a game on turf. We'll we'll keep you out of the starting lineup for this. We'll keep you on the bench just in case and see how things go and whatever. And like, yeah. So the depth they have and the quality that they have really shone through in 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 the series as a whole, and particularly on in, in on the night and for the starting lineup for for Chirundolo. LA were very confident coming into this. Chirundolo had said during the week. Hey, if we play at our strength, we'll basically get through this no problem at all. And they didn't even really have to get out a second or third gear to to deal with this. I, I think that is one of the concerning things. But they're just a better team. Yeah, I thought you know they. I thought they had a very strong first half. I think they could have had a few goals other than the the penalty one i thought the uh, yohe saved their bacon a few yeah. times so la That's could have had big a, a bigger lead but just having the luxury of not starting bella and Chiellini, it just shows how much depth they have and you know the white caps really you know should have come out firing they should have come out a little, maybe a little hungrier and la when you bring those guys off the bench you know you can really put the game to bed as, as we saw so a very key uh, move by Chirondolo and a lot of depth that they have, and we'll see how that goes in the next round for them. But yeah, they they got it right. Yeah, and sorry, Zach. No, I was say Chiellini's brought on in a neat, in a needed situation, and then Vela's brought in to help close things out, and Vela makes a huge mistake that we'll get to a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, Chiellini did well though as well, oh, yeah. closing it out. And yeah, that, that one sliding tackle oh, right there. Yeah, I mean that's but, that's but like, what the white caps lack a guy but, like that. But like I t- was texting with you, Michael, you told me about the, how they were anticipating Chiellini. Well, when he came on with 20 minutes left or whatever it was, that was no longer an option no. to play the balls over the top because that's the not where the game was at. Yeah, the guys that would have done well at that were no longer on the pitch. And it's like... That too. Yeah, you, you yeah. had that. I mean, I thought it was a fast start for both teams. And the Whitecaps, it's, it's, it's the old Robo fine lines thing. Holling's head just inches the wrong side of the post with that header. If that nestles in the bottom corner, you've got the crowd immediately louder than they already were, really into the game, putting the pressure on LAFC, giving it to Max big time, but it goes wide and they don't get that breakthrough. 
And I'd said to Alex at the start of the game, I fancied the Whitecaps would score in the first 10 because I thought they would just really go for it. And they needed to get that goal just to get the crowd fully behind them. And I think that would have carried them through hard, but it wasn't to be in the end. But what a crowd. 30,204, the largest crowd in the, the MLS era, which we'll touch a little bit on later as well. But it, they were loud for a lot of the game. Yeah, they're loud. They did a really great job. I watched the TSN highlights back, Zach, when I got home, just to see some bits back. And after the penalty, the crowd are booing like crazy and it's loud. And Caldwell goes, oh, that's just brought a deafening silence to BC Place. I knew you were going to pick on your Scottish countrymen at some point. Well, we passed each other in the toilet at one point. Oh, yeah? Did you say hi? No. He was talking to John Thornton. Oh, John Thornton was saying, oh, we've had a really good first half. We're we're doing so well with them defensively and we're good in the counter. Har got a hug from John Thornton. Aww. Yeah, a big hug. I yeah. love hugs. And wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you, know you, 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 media, you media members are allowed to hug these people? Just Har. Oh, okay. Yeah, do, just do, me. I'm the only one allowed to hug. Do, do you know what Har then said to John Thornton? Oh, no. She said, good luck in the game today. Yeah. And then afterwards, she saw John Thornton after the game. No, 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 no. You didn't finish the story. No, I've, I've got to this part of the story. So after the no, game, she no, says to John Thornton, not... congratulations. And John says, that was because of all your good luck. So Har cost the Whitecaps. That's not the story. John Thornton said upstairs after he hugged me, do you mean that? And I said, no. <laughs> that bit will get it. I was oh, gonna say I know I know leaving, leaving I know, out the details. I know John Thornton, he doesn't believe in luck. So so let's talk about the penalty. Twenty second yeah. minute. A lot of frustrations here. And one of them is on the white cap side because it stems from a quick two and two counterattack that comes off mm. a, a corner, but the pass that set it all up should never have been allowed to happen. There should have been a tackle come in there. So much space was given up and that aspect of it in itself was frustrating, Zach. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be lots of frustration over this penalty and over this goal, but yeah, you have to be able to look in the mirror first and hold your hand up for, for your errors that led to it, right? It wasn't the first and it wasn't the last time either that they were no. on the counter hard. It was like, that was what LA were doing superbly. Yeah, they were off to the races. You know, uh, Vanny said they defended well on set pieces, it was just their set piece that LAFC was able to punish them on. And I think you, they get a little bit scrambly. You know, they're trying to track back. They're trying, you take this guy, I'll take this guy. And then the penalty comes up, you know, a bit of sloppiness. The guy kind of falls. It's never a penalty. It should not have been awarded. We all know that. The fans know it. Well, see, I, I'm with you, but Zach completely disagrees on this because me and him have been shot. You think it's this. on Renko or Tristan? Well, see, th this is the thing as well, because before Zach gives his thing, the mm. MLS feed said penalty, Ranko, foul. And then they changed it, saying penalty, Tristan Blackman, foul. So even yeah. they don't know who committed the foul. Did not Ranko get a yellow card? I was for, for dissent. Oh, that was for dissent. Yeah, okay. he, yeah, he went nuts at the So, so you, I'll tell you exactly, exactly what I said to you, Michael, right? I texted you. I said, watching live? 
yeah, I don't think it was. I think that was not the greatest call. Like I, I, I thought, okay, VAR will overturn this. But then watching the replay, yeah, I think Ranko's left leg goes into uh, his left leg, and yes, the ball's gone through, and yes, his path is blocked off. He's obstructed. His path is obstructed. <laughs> But uh, I think it's still his left leg gets taken, and that's why. And that's why I don't think Bar uh, said, "Oh, you got to look at this again. You made a mistake." Either because they believe that that his uh, Ranko's left leg, you know, tripped him, which I, I'm watching it again right now. And yeah, like Ranko just puts out his naively on the play. Ranko Ranko block blocks his path. He like he essentially trips him. His left leg into his left. I just don't see or, that. Or I've sent her a picture that I've already sent Zach. To me. Gonzalez, it's it looks like he's sandwiched, but he deliberately turns his side and throws himself in. And by the time he does that, the ball's already been knocked away. So I I just don't see that there was a clip there for a foul. The problem being though, he he doesn't like, he he doesn't dive. He's going going. No, I don't think he's diving, the, but he's, he he throws trying himself to sneak into through it. the two defenders. Yeah. Yes, and Ranko takes him out. But the ball's already gone. It's not gone, gone. And, and Michael, but here's the, the thing: even if the ball's gone, sometimes in the box, you can still oh get no, a give the penalty, penalty for, yeah. for giving. So but, I just, I don't, I don't. I think VAR looked at it and said, "We can't say it's clear and obvious that the ref got it wrong, so yeah, we're not going to have him look at it." That's the point. Or, 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 yeah. or as you said, Michael, there's not enough angles that they feel are conclusive that it's yeah. clear and obvious, so they're like, "Okay, we're not going to have him look at it." I, I totally understand why Whitecaps fans are upset about this. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, when I first saw it live, I was like, "That's not a penalty." But when I watched it back, I say I see why he gave a penalty. So I, I honestly don't think that this is uh, this is the primary reason you can be upset with uh, Mr. Ford for this match. But I understand why people will be. Yeah. They're very upset with Mr. Ford. Like, very, yes. very. The way that I look at it, and it's basically what you said, is like, because the referees made the call on the pitch, there's nothing there. Because, like, we, we disagree on it. So it's not clear and obvious. I'm looking at it one way, you're looking at it another way. So there's no way VAR can overturn it because the decision was made on the pitch. Should the referee have made the decision on the pitch? And I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm in agreement with Stephen Caldwell. He said this in the TSN commentary that he should not make in in a game like that. He shouldn't make it unless he's 100% certain, which maybe he was. And he should leave it to VAR to look at. Or is that when it comes in ego that the ref's like i'm controlling this game i'm not leaving it to other people to decide i i think he he feels confident in his decision i i don't think it's ego or thinking about being yeah, overturned I think he by thought VAR. It was a penalty. that's why yeah, he thought it was a penalty and var's not telling him dude you got it wrong you got to you got to look at this again or dude you might have got it wrong you need to look at it again mr so- sartini disagrees <laughs> very much so Ultimately, that was the decisive goal. Buanga scored. Har came up with the stat for me. Seventh goal in all competitions against the Whitecaps this year. Four at BC hmm. Place. Yeah. And he nearly had five later. But, I mean, after that, three big saves from Takaoka, as Har mentioned, that really kept him in the game. Because at that point, you knew if LAFC got a second, it was game over. There was no way the Whitecaps were getting back into it. But whilst it was a one-goal game, looking at what they did in LA last week, you're always of the belief, look, if we can just start doing stuff, we can get back into this. We've shown we can get back into games against LAFC. Another talking point from the first half was Gonzalez's tackle on Takaoka. 
Now, a couple of things to look at that. Early on in the game, four minutes in, and I didn't think much of it at the time, but I came back and I watched it back. Gonzalez goes through a little bit late on Takaoka, catches his foot as he's clearing the ball, and the referee gives him a talking to, but no yellow card. Now, if that likely because it was four, like likely because it was four minutes in, to the game. Yeah. yeah. I I don't think it was a booking, but a lot of folk feel he should have been booked for that. I think that would have been harsh because he was just chasing the ball down and Takaoka got a foot to it. Going through though on Taka for this one, he's a very lucky lad. If his feet were any higher off the ground. I could see that getting referred to a red, but he did keep his foot down. When I first saw it, I thought he's got every right to go for that. But then when you watch it back, I don't know that he was ever going to get to it. Yeah, I I, I think I was messaging with this one too, Michael. I I, uh, I don't I don't think it was a red, as I know some people were calling for a red. I agree with you. He keeps his foot down. Um, where, where does he get Taco Tokyo? Where does he get Takaoka on the hand? So he got a yellow card, and again, this the, we know these are this is these are the things VAR is looking at. Mm-hmm. They also did not feel it warranted the referee double checking and, and looking at for no, a possible it, red. It so I think it was the right call. Yeah. Then he disagreed. You could see him getting upset about that. Oh yeah, call. yeah, oh yeah, he was livid. It was like yeah. his, it's like his, it's like his blood was just like slowly. But the vanity like meter the was the boiling yeah. throughout yeah. the game, like, I, some, I, like a marinara sauce. I had. To... <laughs> What a brilliant description. I love that. I'd said to Alex about 10 minutes in, I said, oh, watch, watch Vanny. He was like a coiled spring just waiting to go off constantly. He was like waving his arms about, folding his arms, unfolding them. He was yeah. out of his technical area. He was drinking from his bottle. He was so on edge. An early goal would have calmed him down, as I think, as well. And then because it didn't come and then things are going against the team, he was just... Simmering, yeah. simmering. It was like Mount Vesuvius was going to be my description of him. And much like Pompey, the Whitecaps' playoff dreams crumbled by the, the end of the second half. But I want to talk about one last first half incident. Yeah, there's one more thing. Maria going yeah, down the box. Richard. Now, for me, it was never a penalty in a month of Sundays. But the argument that was getting made is if the first one was a penalty, this one was a penalty. I, I still don't see it. Yeah, I mean, you and I talked about this as well, Michael. Like, I that that kind of let's make things up mentality. One is, as I've said, I don't think the referee had anything to make up for. And again, I know there's people yelling at their phones or in their cars or wherever they are, but uh, I don't think he needed to make something up. And I know I've also saw some people talking about like, oh, you know, Lorea drew that penalty in the was it one or was it both the penalties in the in this? The, oh, it was both. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know we we talked about it at the time, Michael. You know, did were those soft or were they, I mean, the one obviously wasn't because it was like just threw him from the back. But the first one, I think some people felt like he went into it, and who knows? Maybe the referee was that was one of the things he was in his game preparation. I was like, that, I, yeah. I, I I know how Richie is prone to go down in the in the in the box under a slight challenge or whatever. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I tend to agree with you that I don't think this one was a was a penalty. Obviously, I. I think it was shambolic in, you know, uh, the afters that happened. Like that was that oh, was ridiculous. Maria was a disgrace. Yeah, but I, I'm not surprised by that. But yeah, it was it was pretty awful. I thought it was good positioning, like good defensive positioning, a bit, bit of a battle. I mean, I suppose he could have called it for 
a penalty for Vancouver, but again, I think it would have been would have been harsh. But to go with what Vanny said, if you call it at one end, you know, should you be calling it at that end? Does the referee have that mindset? So it's hard to differentiate to what you know what he was thinking for. There was a little bit of contact. I mean, the it wasn't LA egregious one, though. No, the LA one, I would. It was a foul of whether the ball had gone away, which is what we've disagreed with, but. First half, trailing 1-0, no shots on goal. And the start of the second half on the front foot, LA, though, just looked so comfortable. There was a the couple of alley efforts. And LA just broke things up so well. And Ryan Gold mentioned that that's what comes from an experienced team. You give a, you, you do the cheap fouls. You do it kind of almost rotationally, so it's not the same guy. So you're not picking up yellow cards or the odd yellow or whatever. So they did that so well. But it seemed to completely throw the Whitecaps off their game. They just couldn't find their rhythm. They just couldn't get things going. And at no time did I really feel that the Whitecaps were going to get back into it hard. There was a lot of stop and go. It wasn't like a lot of possession. You know, you pass the ball around, we get up, up the field, you guys get up the field, it was foul, you know, you know a throw in or a free kick. It really didn't have a rhythm. It, it kind of carried through into the second half as well. And when you're trying to create momentum and, and get forward and get chances, it's hard to do that. So if that wasn't the LAFC tactic, you know, well played and, and good job to them. But LA, I believe they had 18 fouls, you know, two yellow cards. So, you know, where were their yellows? You know, I, they're still in Tim Ford's pocket. Yeah, I, there definitely should have been a lot more yellows handed out. I felt that the ref seemed a bit lax in that regard, Zach, but it does come with the experience as well. The game management, that's what's huge at this level. You need to know how to see these games out, and LAFC did it superbly. Oh, yeah. They're experienced. I mean, they, they won all the way last year, right? Uh, they have experienced coaches um, who are able to, you know, help them in, in that. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they, for the most part, and we'll get to some other things near the end, they, they manage the game really well. Yeah. I mean, we talked about White's header in the 85th. That just can't be straight at Max. It has yeah. to go somewhere else to make him make a save. When the ball comes in and he goes up, I was like, oh, there it is. That's yeah. the equalizer. Oh, the, the little deaf chip from goal to set that up, it was pinpoint. Yeah. He knew exactly where White could get to it. And I did feel a bit for Brian in this because he was kind of on an island. He was just not getting any service today. No. You wonder if at that point of the game, is it fatigue? You know, you've been playing... A lot of soccer, and was it tired? Is it just like just is it just get this on net? Is that what he's yeah. trying to do instead of trying to pick a corner? Maybe even if it was harder, and uh, Max would maybe have spilled it or whatever. But he was in good positioning, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought Max had a good game. He did everything that he needed to do. Stoppage time was absolutely insane. I mean, if the White Cats had got an equaliser after what played out before it, I think the roof would have come off at BC Place. But obviously it wasn't to be. But that 93rd minute, the referee forward blocks Alessandra Schopf, knocks him over. As Vanny said afterwards, it was a, ho a hockey hip check. Yeah. When it happened, the first thing that went into my head was, surely the game should be stopped if the referee does that. But it would appear... That it, that's only the case if, if it's the loses, ball that struck that struck the ref. The right. Vanny also seemed to think the ball had struck the ref, but then when I watched it back again, the ball didn't. But he does ball shop over. 
Because I, I asked Chiellini after the game about mm. that specific play, and he wasn't sure specifically what that rule was. Yeah. So maybe what you're saying, Michael, maybe that's some of the things people are not I, quite sure I, about. I think you're right, Michael. I think it is if the ball hits the referee, it's an he blows the whistle automatically, and whoever had possession gets it back. The thing yeah. was, it wasn't just the um, hip check. It was just the hip check. That I know Vanny seemed to indicate this in the post game as well. That wasn't what they the Whitecaps still had possession, which is also maybe one of the reasons why he did not stop play. Right? Was it not Ranku who had the yeah, ball, and then he gets dispossessed? Yeah, and then he gets dispossessed after. Yeah. So as much as as much as yeah, the referee obviously should never have that kind of incidental contact with players and and take them out of a play. And I'm sure he'll. I'm sure Ford would hold his hand up and say, "Look, yeah, that was you know an error on my it part." Was really or bad positioning. Or, he should yeah. not be in in that dangerous area. But at the same time, it was like, okay, Ranko's the one that actually was dispossessed to I, give that break. I don't think he was expecting the ball to come to him, and then all of a sudden he has two LA players like bearing down on him, forcing the turnover. But then it's a three-on-one break, and they score, and Vela plays a pass forward that he should never have played. Yeah, it was only that... one defender back, and yeah, it was. Offside. You, you texted me right away and said that's oh, offside. Yeah, offside. No, but here's the thing. R- Ranko, Ranko has no excuse to lose possession on the ball. He's not fouled at all. He's he just dispossessed. Okay. No, he's totally just dispossessed. Um, Turned around. Maybe, maybe he's put off by the fact that his teammate's been taken out, but that you're like you're a professional football. You, you need to put, play the whistle, right? You got to keep going. Like, But yeah, the, I mean, it was shambolic from a player like Carlos, Carlos Vela that he would that he would make that kind of error, not realizing that, oh, yeah, it's not just the defender who's in front of me. There needs to be two players in front of me for, for this pass to be onside because he could have kept it and shot himself easily yeah. and yeah, or he yeah. could have timed the pass so that it wasn't offside. Yeah. But as soon as it happened, I yeah, I turned to Kirk. I'm like, that's coming back. It's offside. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the referee did. That's coming back, which to me then makes what Vanny does next even more... Uh, I'll choose my words carefully here. Um, unfortunate. Oh, that, that's a nice choice of words. That's you, a... you might have been the only one to know that was offside, because I don't know if any knew it was offside. No. That, I, the thing is, how did the linesman not put his flag up? That's what I don't get either. He was, in my, he was admiring Carlos Vela. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's a quick breakaway. Or maybe think what he's having for his dinner. But here's, here's the thing, though, Michael. Even... It... Like for an offside, so not the the hip, not the hip encounter, but for the offside, you should know that that's gonna get. If it's offside, it's gonna get overturned, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think now I know the, some people. Some people listening to this are like, "Hey, they didn't. They didn't." Thinking. Yeah, some people are thinking that oh, as they're listening to this, they're like, "Well, they didn't call back the penalty, so why would we expect them to call, call yeah. back this offside?" But this one was so clear and obvious that it was gonna be get called back. Like, I mean. Also, from Vanny's viewpoint, because he was still yelling about shot being taken out, he might not have seen that it was a forward pass. He might have thought it was a square ball or was slightly behind. So he might not have but, had that but, angle but Michael, he was yelling at the fourth official at the time. But Michael, that's his fault, right? Like, and this is part yeah. of this is part of the the problem that some people have with Vanny. It's a lack of like self discipline, self control. It's passion is awesome. You know, I, I'm I'm happy for passion in the game of football. Football needs passion, but there also are, say, appropriate boundaries for that. 
and just composure, ask, just composure ask yeah. Alice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and Vanny and Vanny uh, sometimes goes outside of that, and sometimes it's appreciated. And on an occasion like tonight, uh, I think there's a lot of people from the league, anyways, who will not appreciate his antics and yeah. his uh, and how he handled himself. Because it was, yeah, he might I mean, be also, phone but, calls this week. but also, I mean, also the Whitecaps, as much as they'll defend, they'll defend him publicly for sure. I'm sure internally there's some discussions over, hey, like he's a role model for children. Because it wasn't just, he freaked, like he lost his mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he gets sent off. He, he, so he gets sent off. He enters a field of play. He doesn't leave in a Tommy fashion. He's kicking the sponsor's board. He comes back and fingers the referee. Or towards he, the pitch. He did what? Two fingers. Two, two, two fingers. Two, two fingers. Two fingers at the referee. He, he showed I, two I, fingers I, to the referee. Then goes back off. The referee. Then, goes, then leaves. Yeah. And then he comes back, which yes. he's not, which my understanding you is you're, come back. you're not allowed you to do. Yeah. So as he's going to came back on the pitch. We all are like, yeah, he should not be you back. You can't on come that back. No. So he is going to face several suspensions and several fines, and that's without even getting into the post-match, you know, press conference. Yeah, mm. but seriously, even internally, the, like they'll be having this. They've discussion. already signed like, him, yeah. though. You can't. You no, can't but I know. I, yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, they, they. I'm pretty sure internally they. They know what they're getting, though. They will. They wouldn't have signed him, though, if they. You know, yeah, but he has. Be, but he's never. It's never boiled over like this. It's only. It was the St. Louis one, the St. Louis game, not to this level, but it was. It was the one, the game in St. Louis. So this is off the charts. This is next yeah. level. The big complaint fans had after the Portland game in 2015, the Seattle game in 2017 was they felt the the club didn't go for it in this game. And I, I've had one person already DM me tonight feeling the same way that the Whitecaps, yeah. he feels, didn't go for it enough in this game. But the vast majority of fans that were there will remember that ending. They'll remember Vanny going nuts. They'll love that. Some won't and some don't from the online comments that we've already seen, but they'll go home like your casual fan, the folk that were in the upper bowl that maybe hadn't been there before or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, I loved that, that passion, that anger, the referees screwed them. They won't think the Whitecaps lost that. They'll blame the refs yeah, and they'll yeah. love what Vanny did. Oh, I, it takes I, it I, off the players. It takes I, the focus away from them. I, 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 part of me wants to think that part of what he was doing was trying to distract from the poor performance. Yeah, um, yeah, but but it was to such an extreme that it you it seems like too much. It, it seems like just too much. It's just it was it was all emotional. Like it, it there might have been a hint of that. Maybe Sorry? there's a small part though. Over the top. Maybe oh, he yeah. meant to take it away from the players, but then he got carried away and went overboard. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was too much. Like so, yeah, Michael, you're right. But like he loses credibility as a role model. Mm, right when you when you when you act like that when you you no one's saying to your kid hey look at the look at the coach look at how he handled that situation wasn't it awesome but but those are the those are part of the perceptions i know that some people the whitecaps will no we'll be talking about i love charles bohm's tweet of him kicking the advertising boys oh yeah if you've seen this like take that beer and you too toothpaste (laughs) well did you see the one oh i forget who posted it It was like that's uh this is what happens when you you break the spaghetti yeah. yeah it was charlie as well yeah like, you're putting pineapple on a pizza <laughs> yeah there's that one too i saw that one as well but it was an eventful end to the game as we've said i don't think the whitecaps deserve to win it anyway a lot of folk will have gone home 
angry, but thought, what a brilliant ending that was. They'll have been entertained. There was a lack of creativity, a lack of a potent attack. I think the Whitecaps have relied too much on the Ryan Bryan connection. And, like, Gaul's been playing with an injury. Vela, he's banged up. He's not yeah. letting on how how injured he is and what he's been playing yeah. with. But he's not he's not hundred percent fit. He's been playing with the foot contusion for weeks. And I think he was trying too hard at times in this, and things just weren't coming off because his crosses nothing, weren't connecting. Yeah, like in that he had that sliding off. tackle where he took out Buanga. That oh, was frustration. Yeah. Now I think that was an absolutely perfect tackle, but Zach yeah. thinks it was a foul. <laughs> oh, I yeah, agree with no. Michael. No, Mike. I mean, you, no, it was not a perfect tackle when you when you when you ended by scissoring the guy's leg. You, you, I mean, do it, you not watch AEW and they claim they're scissoring folk left, right, and center? Yeah, no, I do. Scissoring you know, I do daddy not. ass. You know, I do not. I I I, I, I uh, appreciate your cathartic release or enjoyment of it, but um, it was a it was a foul. It was a clear foul. And then he, I, I thought he'd get a foul or a card for throwing the ball, kind of like aggressively. I have it as my tackle of the year for end of season award. Yeah, you texted me that right when it happened. And I was just like, it was uh, a good tackle. I was cocker. Right in front it. of the LAFC bench too. Yeah, but that that was the game. That was the talking points of the game. There was a lot of talking points post game, and we're going to get into all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, a song from former Artists of the Month from Cardiff and Wales, Super Furry Animals. The third and final single taken from their third album, 1999's Gorilla. That single was released in 2000, reached number 20 in the UK charts. It was called Do or Die which, of course, this was a do-or-die game for the Whitecaps, and sadly, they didn't do, and they did die at the end of it. Now, one thing before we get back talking Whitecaps, I've talked about this in previous shows. The football kit that I most am wanting is from the 90s, Cardiff City, Welsh Cup kit, Super Furry Animals sponsored it, and I've told you before, Zach, I've been watching it on eBay, and I've lost out on them when it's been like £200 that it went for. There's a new one came up on eBay today. 
So I'd already decided no matter what happened in the game, I was playing this song. And I was like, oh, this is serendipitous. That This has come up on eBay. £399 opening bid. What did you get? What did you get it for? Well, it's, it's still going. I've I've bid five hundred. Don't tell Caitlin. But that was based on the Whitecaps winning, and my, my winnings <laughs> coming in from that bet that I had. So, uh, if Vanny's got any money left after his fine, if he wants to buy that kit for me, uh, that would that would be awesome. But yeah, we're gonna continue talking Whitecaps LAFC in this part, and I'm gonna kick things off with some post game audio. We're gonna hear the thoughts from Vanny Sartini. Ryan Gold and Brian White, just their, their thoughts on the game, how they're feeling after it, and a few other things as well. To start, by, let's just go through that that final minute. I don't think anyone here has kind of witnessed a sequence of events like that. What were your thoughts on on the how that game finished? Uh, well, you know, uh, the Canucks were here playing, uh, watching the game, so probably uh, they're better suited than me to comment what the referee did against Shopfi because it was a beautiful thing like a, like an enforcer, you know? And uh, that's, uh, you know, maybe he, he, felt, he felt excited because he was in Canada and uh, he wanted to do so. No, nothing. We had the ball and the referee was unlikely so in the worst position. So he basically fouled Shopfi. And, uh, and of course, they got the ball. They went, they scored. Because Yohei wasn't in goal, was attacking. They had only one player behind, so there was uh, it was offside, and uh, and uh, yeah. But uh, I don't understand, to be honest, why he didn't stop. Because every time that the referee touched the ball, that's actually a, a, a question. Every time the referee touched the ball, he stopped and he gave the ball to the team that he was in possession of the ball. I don't know why. We were in possession of the ball and we lost possession because of him. I don't know why he didn't give us possession immediately. I think, uh, I think Tim is a good guy, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, he had, uh, you know, let me drink. <laughs> well, it, it seemed like a, a lot of calls weren't going your guys' way tonight. With yeah, yeah, yeah. The referee was a disaster. We have to be completely honest. The referee was a disaster. Everyone can have a better, a, a worse performance than another one. Today, they have, a, they have a worse performance probably of his season. I actually like him as a referee, but today, i give you an example. So their penalty, for me, is a penalty if the penalty of Ricci is a penalty. You should have the same uh, way of, uh, of uh, evaluating a thing, and he didn't. And of course, correctly so for me, VAR didn't overrule their penalty. It didn't give us our penalty because the mistake weren't clear and obvious. It could be either way, but if you use a, a, a way of measurement one time, why do you use a way of measurement on the other side? Okay, uh, And the other thing is that Gonzalez uh, was clearly uh, um, a red card. That's the reason why Steve is not, a, is not an imbecile. And uh, he took him off at the end of the first half because he knew that someone probably, the fourth official said, hey, you made a terrible mistake. And the first time it would have touched someone else, it would have, sent, it would have been sent off. So, you know, uh, at the end, uh, we didn't have a fair chance, to be honest. And uh, because today, unfortunately, the referee had a bad game. Uh, but uh, but let's talk about the game and the fact that uh, tactically, I think we did very well. Defensively, we think very well. I'm a little bit uh, uh, frustrated 
because we had a lot of chances in the first half where we could go and shoot, breaking the, breaking the line of pressure, going on the other side, arriving there in the uh, top of the 18. And I didn't think, and I thought, and I think that sometimes we we did the wrong choice. Sometimes we didn't have the the movement that we were supposed to have, and that's the reason why in the first half, even though we had potential chances, we didn't have chances. While them, when they had the same chance as us, they ended shooting a goal, and Yohei had to make two three saves. The second half was a little better. We actually attacked more the space and everything. We also had a an enormous chance with Brian out when Max saved, and the other one when everyone was in the box there and Chiellini saved. I think uh, we had uh, we we put everything in order to tie. I don't think we should have won. I think the tie would have been the real the 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 the, the, the good game, uh, the good uh, the fair result. Uh, we were so focused. On defensive set plays that we consider the goal on offensive set plays. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, chasing the game in the second half, I think something LA did really well was just break the game up with cheap fouls and just stop your momentum a little bit. I agree. It seemed difficult to really counter that. I agree. There's only one way to counter that. If someone does his job and they give yellow card to Max in the first half when he was losing time, to Buanga when he did two uh, professional fouls, to um, Murillo that he made four fouls in the game. And, he, and, and it, if someone does his job, uh, everyone has... Then they don't, they're not keeping fouling you every time. If you allow you to do it, uh, yeah, that's the problem. And again, uh, you know, again... The second half, LA were very good at breaking the game up, cheap fouls, just slowing the play down. How difficult is it to counter against that? Yeah, they showed their experience, I think. Um, you know, the way they kind of just, anytime we we had any momentum or tried to, you know, get things going, they they slowed everything down and that's just the sign of a, an experienced group of boys. And, uh, yeah, there's no doubt it, it kind of frustrated us that we couldn't, you know, get things going again. Yeah, like Ryan said, they a lot of experience on their team, def uh, defending champs, so it's always going to be tough. And they knew all they had to do was, you know, slow the game down. Um, they got their goal at, in the first half and just try and manage the game from that point on. So it's always difficult. And, you know, they got great players, knowledgeable players, older players. So, yeah, it's always going to be difficult the way they're able to manage the game. So Vanny Sartini, Ryan Gold and Brian White there just giving their thoughts about the game. And I, I thought Har, Ryan was very honest and spot on in, in his post-game analysis. He feels it's, it's, kind of, it's left a little bit of a sour taste in his mouth because he just feels that this team had, had more to give and that they maybe just didn't perform over these two games, got battered in LA and just didn't, rise to the occasion tonight and and he's right yeah he is right but i would like to talk about vanny's comments first okay well but well, we'll get into to refereeing then just now and it, it was quite the game from the officiating team this was not a model t ford game at least it, it, it's not the model that you want for refereeing in MLS to, to follow anyway. I mean, he rightly got pelters after the game, 
both verbally from Vanny and literally as he left the pitch, as the the debris, the cups, who knows what else, rained down on him. And Zach and me were talking about this beforehand. I've said before in the show, you shouldn't throw things at players on the pitch. <laughs> Referees, on the other hand. Now, I'm not condemning or condoning it. <laughs> I'll just say karma's a bitch, Mr. Ford. But Zach has some, some different opinions on that. Uh, I'm, well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think it's okay. The dude did not have a, a good day at his job, and he heard about it from people, and that's I think okay. Um, but I, I don't think it's great to be like the throwing of stuff, right? Because it's not like someone's going to throw something that's going to do some damage, right? And then that's going to cause a lot of a lot of a lot of problems right so uh, the people who i saw cheering this on online like this was a great thing uh, i i don't know man like i've expressed verbal frustration with with officials and stadiums before and even said something which we'll talk about in a minute um but yeah, i don't know like i'm yeah i'm sure i'm sure i've thrown a, a cup or two back in the like an empty cup but on, on, a, a, on a grass field yeah, <laughs> that was not a referee, and I did not hit anyone. <laughs> at least they weren't throwing them at Max this time. That's an improvement. No, I know we were all watching for that at half time. Well, Max, referees... Max gave a nice interview after the game. Yeah, I saw it, and once again proved his point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I mean, Har, you you shouldn't throw things at refs. But if I'd been in the stands, I'll be honest, I would probably have thrown something at him. Yeah, you would have. I just hope that the fans, they don't take it too far. There's no, like, any personal stuff or they they kind of leave it at the match and don't take it, you know, online or there's no threats or there's no, you know, harm to anyone. Just leave it at the match. But people are calling for that harm. Like, that's – and that ties – I know. That's what we're talking about next. Shouldn't do that. But so what's what's okay to throw at a ref then, right? I'm not not talking about throwing things at the ref. I'm, like, talking about, like – you know any like threats online and whatnot right but you but you just said oh michael i understand you would throw some so what's what's you just hope that nothing yes like what is okay to throw at a ref then like what like as a a society right pissed in it and i happened to just throw it over and it hit the referee that's had a bad game in my days in scotland which of course i would never have done at any game previously that's all i'm saying on it Let's just say I'm not condemning the fans that did it. I get their frustration. Oh, I get. Oh, I get their frustration for sure. But like, yeah, I'm not condoning it either. Another thing, like the 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 referees, they go out kind of behind the back net in front of the, the supporters. Yeah, they can't. Why not have uh, them go through the middle, like yeah. between where the benches are? That makes more sense. If there was any game to do that, this was the game to do that. You thought some common sense. It was because we were all watching because we knew what was coming. We knew that they were going to yeah. get things thrown at them. Because their locker rooms aren't even down where they walk off. The locker rooms are near yeah, the middle. So, so it would make more sense to do it that way. I think the Whitecaps might have a fine coming. Oh, yeah. That as well. That's it. Like more than that. Good job they sold all those tickets. Because <laughs> <laughs> they need it to pay all the fines that's coming in. I think Vanny's comments about the referee, obviously he wants to make comments and not have his players be fined and, you know, 
take the heat off of them. I understand that, so I completely, completely he told agree. You, he told you guys, right? He said, no com- no questions for my players about the referees. Yeah. Just me. I'll take the fines. Yeah. Har still asked a question. <laughs> oh, I missed sure. that. Yeah, it Harst might have been cut out of the head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to not ask the question. Ryan was just like, I don't think I should answer that. And then Brian, but he went Brian in there like, knowing yep, he was going to get asked said. about it, though. <laughs> you can't have us not ask. Like, at least no we phrased it Because, yeah, because they're asking softballs. At least I phrased it in a nice, polite way. Mm. But yeah, Vanny went off at the refs, as we just heard from his comments uh, at the top there. And he, he, he said he likes... Likes Tim Ford as a referee, but this just wasn't his best game. And, I mean, we've already debated the points. The other big talking point, though, after the game that came out was Vanny made a joking off-the-record comment before the press conference had started. So he was just sitting down, he was making a joke, it was all in jest, and it wasn't for broadcast, but it did get tweeted out. I don't like when that happens because it's completely out of context and you can't get the tone in the in the tweet. And it was basically, in short, a joke. Oh, I, I hope they don't find his body floating in False Creek because I'll be one of the first folk the, the police come looking for. And then made the joke about whatever. I thought it was a really funny joke. I... I I appreciated it. I laughed. It wasn't meant to then get out there, but it has got out there. And I think it's fair to say it's been quite a polarizing comment. Some folk love it. Some folk agree with it. Some folk are very much against it. Now, I fall in the... I thought it was funny. and I don't see anything wrong with the comment. We'll get harsh thoughts in a second, but I know, Zach, you've got the complete polar opposite view to me in this. Yeah, I just, you can't, you can't, a, a, a public figure like that can't say things like that. Um, you, Michael, you and I were talking, like, we live in a time where in the very recent history, public figures had made comments about harming other people. And then we've seen people go and try and harm people, those people. Right. Uh, I'm not saying this. I'm not I'm not uh, equating this to that. I'm just saying that there is a similarity. He, or there he can't... didn't say I want to do it or encourage folks to do it. He but, made a joke but, about, oh, but, if they find him. But that's the thing, Michael. He's I, he could. Someone said, uh, I think I said this on Twitter in response to someone. If he was a comedian, Michael, could he get away with that statement? Yeah, because he's a comedian. The dude's not a comedian. The dude is the, the head coach of a professional sporting enterprise. Right. Your words matter. You're like like with the whole we just talked about in the last segment with the whole the way he went off the field. He embarrassed himself and he showed himself to be someone who lacks restraint, lacks composure, lacks self-discipline and is a poor role model for at least some of the, the club's fan base. Not all of them, obviously, but definitely for some of them. And this was just even though he didn't mean it to, to go public, he said it in a room with a significant amount of out of out of, out of people. And even though I know the context, as I've talked to you, you've talked to me about it, I know the context was all in jest. It's still something you can't say when you're in that position. Like, you you can't say that. Um, and so... I, I guess I, it's naive for him to think it's not going to get out. 
but he's not a child, Michael. You you can't you can't be you can't claim naivete over no, things but like what that. I would say is if, if you've said, "Oh, I'm saying this off the record," or before everything, he didn't say off the record, but he said, "Oh, we're not rolling," and then made this joke. I, I think then there there's a line that you have to trust that the people that's there aren't then going to put that out. But that's two, there's two issues, Michael. There's that. There's should this have gone out? That's one issue. The other issue is the making the comment in a public in a in a semi public or semi public space, like you like that that might have come out in a different context or in a different way. And again, that's that's only a part of it. You you can't. I don't. I don't know. You, you especially around sports where things are so passionate and volatile yeah. and whatever. You can't, and then because you saw, we saw people online. I think, Harry, you saw it too. People online saying, "Oh, like let's dox the guy. What's his phone number? What's his address, or whatever?" Let's. Oh really? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. No. Oh, so yeah. I was talking about trying to. Oh yeah. Oh. So pro and MLS are not going to see the humor in this, Michael. Oh, pro, pro, most definitely will not. Right. Especially, you saw also. Especially because we're struggling to get referees just in general. Exactly. That was a lot of people's world, comments. Right? Were like. A lot of people's comments are like, oh, no wonder we have trouble having officials for youth games and, you know, the, the grassroots going going forward. It's because people will say things like this in jest or not. And how does that make referees feel? Right? Like, the dude had, I'm not saying the dude was perfect. The dude made mistakes in the game. The dude, I understand why people booed him. I don't agree with it. I understand the mentality behind why people threw things at him. But to then have the one of the one of your fellow professionals in your in the context of your workplace, if you will, then say, "Hey, if the guy turned up dead, people are gonna people are gonna think I did it." I don't think that's funny, and I, I think it's I think it's offside. Yeah, Har. I mean, you were in the room. You know what the context of it was, but I mean, what what what's your thoughts on it? Because it, it's, oh, blo- it's blown up now. Oh, I can weigh in now. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> he cannot put himself in that position where he's even making that comment. Like, what are you doing? If you're still fired up, if you're still angry, if you're hot, then take a little bit longer before you come in to, t- to talk to the media. But you can't come in and say that, even you know, off the record or not rolling. You say that, and then you're depending on the media in the room. You're depending on all of them to not run it, to not you know, go with that quote. And, you know, different people have a d- different interpretation of quotes and mm-hmm. how they're read and how they're said. So that gets put out there and then everyone else sees it and it, it's a wildfire. But why is he even putting himself in that position? Come in, sit down, talk about the game. He he likes to joke sometimes. He likes to have a good friendly demeanor. Oh. That's his character. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly understandable. And we get that. We love that about him. I'm still hey. talking, Zach. So, you know, <laughs> that's what he likes to do, but you cannot you cannot go off the cuff like that. And and secondly, I mean, he's going to get fined and suspended in oblivion to the moon, but mm-hmm. you cannot have the face of your franchise who just signed a 2-year contract extension flipping double birds and going off the cuff and saying stuff like that cuz it's a bad look for the organization. Zach. Yeah, I I, I agree with her. Like this is an organization uh, we won't break down the different ways in which they've done this, but has been so concerned about their perception that this is a nightmare for them. <laughs> like this is, or sorry, this is not a good situation for them. This is a, this is the kind of situation they dread having, putting them, having someone from the, within 
within their ranks put the club in a place that it can be viewed negatively. Um, even though you're right, Michael, some people will will are passionate, excited about it, or whatever, or happy for his honesty and whatever. Um, this is this is not this is not the place they want to be in, and not just the communications department, more than the communications department. Oh no, yeah. So it it, it I, and I feel, and feel for them because they're going to have to deal. Oh yeah. I mean, we're we're recording this on Sunday night, so it's right after the game. We've only seen what is initially been the reaction in all social media, so we don't know where this is going to go. On Monday, when yeah. maybe some of the Eastern folk I, get it, or the MLS folk like Matt oh, Doyle and all those folk, and but I, I want to also agree with Hart. I think Vanny is putting put himself in a in a not a not a good spot, um, and he should know better. He, I think you're going to see if, if uh, my just guess, aside from fines and suspension, which obviously he's getting because of the red card and because of all those things we said that happened before the press conference. Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to see him make some kind of public statement, apology, or not apology, or um, helping to smooth this over. I think you're going to see him come out rather rather quickly this week. I would say, uh, and because they're they're going to want to get a, as a much as ahead of this as they as they possibly can. But I think it depends on whether it grows arms and legs now. So if it does and it keeps in the news cycle on Monday, yeah, I think he's going to have to. But it might just be a thing. Everyone's talking about it tonight, and then it's just going to die down. I don't think fine. M- they're not going to die down. But I don't think like, MLS and Pro are going to let it die down, though, Michael. Well, this is not- no, like they, they'll deal with it, but it might not be a case that everyone's talking about it and stuff. Because we, we're I, in our own little football bubble and social media and tweets and everything. So that's what we are seeing. Just no, now. people saw it. Michael, they, they they look at the Whitecaps as an organization with a history of unfortunate things that they've had to step into and deal with and help with, and they're going to want to make this. Um, they're going to want a remedy for this situation sooner rather than later, and it's not going to be private, Michael. It's going to be public. Is that would be my guess? That would be yeah. my guess. I mean, he he knew he was going to. If get he does a statement, I don't think. If he does a statement, I don't think it comes until after a suspension or a fine is announced because. If you do it now, you're you're putting more attention on it again. Then why is he doing a statement? So I think it will come mm. when the final suspension comes down, whenever it does. Another thing, um, I don't think that should have been publicly put out there, but I will back and I will support the reporter because if that was me, if I was a journalist to put that out there, I would want my colleagues to support me and back me. So I will back that reporter because I'm sure they're not feeling great about the situation. And so, yeah, you know, I can see it happening, happening to me. I don't know about you, Michael, but yeah, certainly support the individual. I think that's why it was put out there in the first place because they thought, oh, he's joking around here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I find it funny. That's just my humor. I've got a dark sense of humor, as anyone that's listened to this show for ten years will will know. Well, Creek's a nice area, by the way. Like you, like you and I have said, though, Michael, you have a a unique humor, but you also <laughs> edit your own humor. Yes, you can. You control this podcast. You know what will cause you issues. You know the hills you're willing to die on. You know the things you're like. I don't. I don't want to see if that's a hill I die on. And you're like, you know, when you. Cross the line of the public's to- public's perception or whatever, and you edit, you self edit. Yeah, Vanny didn't self. Vanny, no. in one sense, didn't self edit, and in one sense, didn't didn't maybe think that someone in the in the room would would share it with a broader audience. Yeah. But 
He either way, do that he, before he comes into the post game. Yeah. That, but that was another thing about the, about the, 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 the whole post game. The whole post game, you can yeah. tell he's uh, unhinged is probably not the right term, but the way he was smiling and laughing and like what it was so awkward. And even like you said, Mike, with the water bottle, he'd be like, Oh, I, I can't answer that, or I'm gonna yeah. explode again. So I'm gonna drink the water. And like it was awkward, like but then more so than the normal. radio, I then dropped some F bombs and stuff as well because he was still fuming by that point. Yeah, I haven't seen. I've only seen the TSN one. I haven't seen the the radio one. No, I, I just I bumped into uh, to Colin Miller as I was leaving, and he I was like, "Oh, what was Vanny like with you?" And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> oh." But it it was just a weird. It was a weird. It, it reminded like you know when we talk about Takaoka and some of those smiles he gave after some of those goals that went in. Mm. It was off putting like that. It was just like, "Why are you laughing like that?" It's kind about of like this? a nervous energy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess we'll we'll see. If it still stays in the news cycle, if folks still make a lot of it, I am very curious what the the MLS media, the folk that do like extra time and stuff like that, what they say about it, whether they'll keep it or whether it's going to try and get played down. Because I'm also pretty sure MLS want that just to die down and not to be a big talking point. But more so than that, they they want to be shown that they take these things seriously, Michael. Yeah, but I mean, they, they will punish him. A lot of the comments that I've seen from non-Whitecaps fans are like, oh, we love this guy. This is great. I'm glad he's in the league and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely polarised folk. And I'm on the, I, I find it funny comment, but, but we'll move on. And to think they had an issue with what kind of shirts he was wearing on the sidelines before the game. And oh, then I, this I, is I, a I forgot about that. Yeah, he's issue. only... There's, he wasn't allowed to wear certain stuff, Zach. I don't know if you know this, because there's different rules for the league games. He can wear what he wants. But it was can't... a message. Can't wear a, sh- a clothing or a shirt with a message. And I don't know what the policy is. I did reach out to the league, but he was wearing his Vancouver shirt, so the mm-hmm. Lionsgate Bridge shirt during the season. So yeah. I don't know why he can't do it now. I th- it might have to do with the war in the Middle East. They don't want a message, but you know, they might not want other because well, like one message go, then yeah, well, yeah you guys saw right what happened to the yeah, yeah, South Siders in LA, right? They tried to bring yeah, yeah. flag in the stadium, yeah, I saw that. No foreign flags, and it's like no oh, Canadian flag. Just it was just a reminder for you, Michael, that it's, it's a, actually an American league, yeah. I do need reminding every now and again, right? Let's draw a line under that, which I'm pretty sure everyone at the Whitecaps is wanting to do right now. Ultimately, the Whitecaps season is over. Next week will be our end-of-season show that we'll be doing. We'll be looking at which players should stay, go... I'm not coming on for that one. Oh, is, that, is that six or eight hours? That That's one? probably an eight-hour one. Okay. Actually, it's not. I think we have all we should be pretty much in agreement who should stay. And there might just be a couple of talking points, but there's some obvious ones, obviously. Maybe they can bring back... Jake Nowitzki! Oh, you mean the man that was dropped because he was so poor for yeah. St. Louis? I gotta go. I gotta go now. Bye. Par, he's he's not a he's not a high level footballer. I rate him better than Javain Brown. Well, okay. let, let's get into the MLS playoff roundup because in the West, the number one seeds are out. Johnny Russell's boys did the job. Two one today after a stunning. Win, which we talked about last week in the first game. 2-1 today. It was 2-0 when I left because I thought that was job done and then I saw it finish 2-1. So I haven't seen quite how it ended, but that must have been a bad storm in the last few minutes. Yeah. 
there wasn't uh, didn't from what i remember uh, st louis didn't i missed the very very end but i saw a bunch of it st louis didn't put them like it was like nine or it was 12 minutes of time added on i think or something it was well it was, lewis started strong and then casey just took over so i'm Johnny, Johnny got a second assist on the second goal, I think. Yeah, I messaged Tar when it went to 2 0, going, Oh, the Whitecaps can still host the Western Conference final. That's not happening. Uh, Houston's leading RSL 1 0 after their first game. But the other game, which took place in the West this weekend, Dallas beat Seattle 3 1 on Saturday night to keep mm-hmm. their series alive, setting up another do or die finale since we kicked off with that song. Um, but they're having to do it all. Without their talismanic 21-year-old midfielder, Alan Velasco, went off on Monday in the first game. (coughs) Sanders comfortably won that 2-0. He went off in the 18th minute after a challenge from Alex Roldan. Did either of you see it? No, I haven't seen that. No. Right. It's an interesting one. So the ball comes to Velasco and Roldan basically throws himself at him but lands awkwardly on his leg. And the end result is a season-ending ACL tear in Velasco's left knee and a partial LCL tear in the same knee. And Roldan didn't even get a yellow card for it. Was Tim Ford the referee? (laughs) No. Was it your tackle of the year up till tonight? No, because I like Velasco. I voted him as the... Young player? Young player of the... I, I, there's been so many awards. He got my vote in the MLS Young Player of the mm. Year. It it was it was one of those ones that... Like, VAR can't look at it for a yellow card, but it should have been a yellow card. And he got off scot-free from it, and then that's Velasco's season over. But I, I thought Dallas... I don't know if you, you watched the game. Dallas controlled that one against Seattle. A couple of quick goals. They were 2-0 up by the 18th minute. Made to sweat a little bit when Jordan Morris pulled one back, but then O'Brien settled those nerves in the 89th minute, setting up a, a cracking deciding game down in Seattle, which you still have to feel the Sounders are going to be favourite for, but cheering on Dallas now. Yeah. I'll cheer for Seattle because I like Freddie Montero. And Andy Rose. I, I like Andy Rose too. He gives good hugs. Yeah. I, I, Andy Rose, I miss here. He does <laughs> give good hugs. I got two this year. At least the Whitecats weren't the first Western team out of the the first round that did fall to St. Louis. LAFC are through. And with all the drama after Vanny's comments, I thought, oh, LAFC are going to be long gone. Because Will Ferrell was there tonight. I don't know if you saw. Yeah. Uh, he, he appeared in the big screen. And then everyone's like booing him. And then he's playing up, taking his hat off and everything. It was quite funny. But Har and me were at the LA locker room and Will Ferrell was there. And Har had said, oh, I'm going I'm to say to try and get him to come over and back me up. But I was texting you back. <laughs> so Har was like, well, well. And I'm like texting you. And then he ran by and she's like, well, thanks for that. And I was like, oh, sorry. I was texting Oh, sorry, Har. I'm yeah, so- thanks a lot. He was he just- right there. Nobody was even bothering him. I'm like, totally well, do you have a few minutes to talk to us? Come and say hello. He blanked me and this bozo's on his phone messaging someone. Yeah, I wanted him to get, hey, I'm Will Ferrell and you're listening to the AMDN (laughs) Soccer Show. He gave zero X. He did not care. Bill Murray did a thing for our East Fife podcast when my friend was caddying for him. So if Bill Murray can do it for an East Fife podcast, which is still the best thing we've ever done, 
the the Bill Murray thing. I've played it on this before. He, he's I should just actually play it just now for everyone. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You should. Hi. I'm Bill Murray. I'm tired right now, but I still have the strength, the energy, and the commitment to listen to Glory Days of Gold. And it's helping. It, it, it's helping. So see, I wasn't lying. Bill Murray did an East 5 podcast promo. I enjoyed the booze where Farrell got on the big screen. Yeah, but I, I tell you who hard did get to speak to Zach, who I was wanting to speak to, which was the whole point of me being there, but I didn't want to miss Vanny, and I'm glad I didn't. Giorgio Chiellini. Oh. I enjoyed chatting to him when he was briefly speaking to us after the... A scrum. You got him in a scrum. Yeah, I you got him one-on-one, on one, but Har has kindly let us play it on the show. So here's Har chatting to Giorgio Chiellini. Tough match, but LAFC is the winner. Your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, well, we knew that it will be a tough match, and we expected that. Uh, we have uh, a lot of respect for uh, White Cups. Uh, yeah, well, I think that we did a good job. We deserve to win for sure. Also, they have some chances, but but at the end, I think that the, the team that deserved to to go into the next round uh, was the AFC. We are we are very happy. Uh, now we have some days that we could relax and recover energy and then we will start to think about the next round. We still don't know against uh, who we'll, we'll play, but, but it doesn't matter now. The most important thing is close the game here and do not go back to LA and play everything on Thursday. You're good friends with Danny Sartini? Yeah, yeah, we are Italian. Yeah. He said the referee was a disgrace. What did you think of the referee tonight? Yeah. I think it's normal that they were upset about some decision. I, I cannot judge uh, this one, but after that, I have to review. To, to be honest, I wasn't the match. I was so far from from the place, and I, I'm not able now to uh, explain something. Maybe I have to review the, the game and the action in Tibu. The second goal, LAFC scores, it's offside, yeah. but yeah. Vancouver has, the, the referee is like this, push. he bumped into the Whitecaps player, Shofi, and there was no whistle. What do you think, is a foul, it should be... I, I don't know, what, 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 no, no, I see, yeah. I was there, but I don't know what's uh, the rules, because uh, after the, the, the bump, uh, the player lo lost the ball, that maybe... It's a new action. That I don't know very well about VR, but at the end we was offside, and it doesn't matter what happened. I think that during the uh, 90 minutes today and the 90 minutes today, we, we were a better team, and we deserve to to go for uh, some decision. Obviously, we were upset two, two weeks ago for some referee decision. They could do the same today, but yeah, we are in a good shape now. We, we have just to maintain the. Uh, this type of shape and be ready for, for the best time. What did you think of the crowd? 30,000? never happened before? So full? So yeah, I, I was so happy. Uh, Vancouver uh, nice uh, crowd, nice uh, city. They love sports. A lot of Italians that are loving me. I have to say uh, thanks and I'm thankful to all the uh, people here. Probably have more jersey 
more my jersey here than in other stadiums all over my career. Yeah, really? and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so happy to to this uh, welcoming, and I met a lot of people today before the game uh, of the Italian community, and not just Italian. And I, I'm really thankful to. To, to the city of Vancouver and to the people that went in this way. Last question. You see Ben, he runs on the pitch, gets a red card. And you were Italian, he is Italian. Is that Italian blood? He gets really excited. No, I don't what do you know. think of that? No, I, I, that? It was so upset after the decisions, uh, but at the end of the game, uh, it's not understandable. Yeah, it's understandable. Uh, you are at the end of the season where you disagree with the ref. It was not. I, 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 I think that he knows that was not the right uh, things, but yeah, could happen. We are human, and sometimes we should lose uh, our uh, our balance. Prego. Good to see you. Ciao. I did not get a hug from him. I got a good handshake and like a pat. No, no hugs though. Maybe next time. Ah, uh, I I've got to say. I, I, I love Keely. He's just he's a very so nice, nice guy. Like he's got time for everyone. Yeah. He gets and, it. He knows how yeah. to like promote the league and sign with the fans and meet that, the players that is and the thing. And that, that's the thing that yeah. a lot of players I think the big name players, most of them get it. But there's just been a couple that maybe haven't. Like Bastian Schweinsteiger. When Rooney. He was over with Chicago, he was so good and had time and spoke to people and Rooney I never spoke to because I just didn't like him. But Lampard's was good with that as well. He spoke to media. Yeah, he was Robbie good. Keen. Like, those guys get it. Zlatan totally got what he needed to do to, to join the... to promote Well, the but Zlatan was also promoting Zlatan. Oh, yeah. Zlatan is Zlatan. But that was a nice little chat there with Giorgio. I still want to You're get welcome. on the show at some point. So, yeah, thanks for that, Har. But that is it for our Whitecaps LAFC chat. That is it for our MLS playoff chat. But we're going to be back talking about the big crowd at BC Place in the next part. Har isn't staying with us for that, are you, Har? What, what are we talking about? 30,000. There, it's a good crowd. You talked about it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you can move on now. Before you go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on the internet trying to stay out of trouble. Um, white caps. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be covering the women's national team series when they are in Victoria and Vancouver oh, in about great. a month. Check me out on there. And yeah, that's about it. I'll see you oh. for that, her. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll we can have that. a hug. I like hugs. Yes. So if you see her in the street, give her a hug. No, no weirdos. <laughs> I don't want weird strangers hugging me. What's wrong with you? Thank you as always for joining us, Har. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheerio. We'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Mike Dean. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Move. I don't care how you're voting or who you're trying to be. 
Athletic Mode. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we always have our Artist of the Month, Zach. And I, I explained on the last show, we're not doing Artist of the Month next year. It's on hiatus. Is it because this is gonna this one's gonna end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um but no, I've got I've got different plans for next year. Um I'm moving in a different musical direction. Do, not do not I get genre to, clearly, but Do I get to share more of my music then? Oh maybe actually. But we'll 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 get into that next year. I'll I'll t- I'll tell you what I'll do. For one month next year, I'll let you do one of the new kind of things we're doing. Because I haven't explained oh, okay. to you yet either. Cool. Yeah. But I, I said last week I was torn as to what band to have as the last one. So I've gone for neither of the two bands I mentioned. But then I had it down as one, and then I switched it to another. So what I've decided is we're going to have two Artists of the Month, basically, for November. And we'll have one song from each of them in all our November shows. So kicking off this part, we've gone with one of our November Artists of the Month. They're a five-piece lo-fi punk rock group from Tamaki Makarau in Auckland, New Zealand. They're called Dick Move. They were hand-picked to support the Foo Fighters on their New Zealand tour in 2020. So a young, up-and-coming punk band hand-picked by the Foo Fighters to play all the stadium shows. And then COVID hit. The shows all got cancelled and they never got a chance to get that big breakthrough moment. To be fair, Michael, I don't know if you know this, but the, their birth certificate it actually says Richard Move. <laughs> I, I've played their first single, which is a self-titled track, and you can find it on their first album, Chop, which was released in 2020. Now, to give you an idea as to why I love this band so much, apart from the fact that they're a punk band, they're fronted by a female singer, which, as Caitlin says, all my, I have a type. They all sound the same. But their first album of 13 songs comes in a, a running time of 18 minutes, 35 seconds. Fast, furious, get it over and done with. Well, it's the album, not a song. Yeah, no, it's a whole album. <laughs> um, so you can tell it's right up the street. The second album came out last month, so we'll play some songs from that. You can find them at dickmove2.bandcamp.com. You know, That's I've never the number, actually, the number never, two. Yeah, I've just never checked out what Dick Move One is, and maybe I don't want to. <laughs> I'll do that after this show. Oh my! Anyway, so yep. D- do you know what makes my Dick Move, Zach? It's an awkward segue. No, but what makes me very excited is Vancouver going sport crazy because so much was made about this weekend. This weekend was a fantastic sporting weekend in downtown Vancouver. The Lions at home, the Canucks at home on Saturday night. Whitecaps on Sunday. Lions opened the upper bowl at BC Place, as did the Whitecaps. I've been trying to find the, the Whitecaps or the Lions attendance and I wasn't able to. But from people that were at the game on Saturday, they said the Whitecaps had drawn more. So this match... Despite the result, the Whitecaps got a big win in it. They saw the upper bowl opened for the first time in the in their MLS era, drawing 30,204 fans. The Whitecaps announced on Wednesday that they were opening the upper bowl 
for the LAFC game after they had sold 24,000 plus tickets by Wednesday afternoon. So last Saturday's loss didn't hit them hard. I was worried that oh, that might eat into the sales, but folk were still excited. There was a genuine feeling that they could do a good job, and I still feel they can. I think they still feel that they could have as well, and just maybe didn't perform on the day. Now, some people were wondering why the lower bowl, if it wasn't sold out, why would you upper open the upper bowl? But it was for a couple of good reasons, Zach. One, there was a lot of just single tickets remaining in the lower bowl, maybe just pairs as well and not for families. Also, a lot of the remaining tickets were in the more expensive sections. So the club wanted to make sure, they wanted to be proactive and open up to the demand that they thought was going to come, which did come, but open up some kind of family-friendly tickets, groups of four for bigger groups. The cheapest tickets were still $50, including tax, which some felt was high, but I thought that's an okay price for a, a playoff game. Well, some of the problem, or sort of some of one of the issues was you, they're comparing it to this this week alone, right, with the Lions. The Lions, I think, yeah. goes to 25 but I, I, I think I heard that the Lions knew that they would not be making much, if any, money on that situation. Yeah, and then of course, there's all kinds of discussion about this. Oh, they should just made those all twenty or twenty-five dollars and filled the upper bowl, and then you, yeah, there's all kinds of discussions that I'm not a, I don't have a business degree to to be able to give you eloquent thoughts on on all of that. But uh, there's some kind of cost analysis benefit right in terms of what does it cost to be up there how many people do you have to staff up there and um you know their rental agreement with bc place what 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 do they make on concessions well how much more are they going to sell by being up there in terms of jerseys and oh, yeah, all that, all that stuff as well yeah yeah because because initially when they, they, they didn't go on sale right away because Ticketmaster had to add them yeah. and get the configurations and everything so they went on sale on thursday so i had a look on thursday and they'd opened seven sections and just the first half of it, so like the first 13 rows. And, and it was, it was midfield, was it not, was it not midfield yeah, it was all, on the opposite, mid- opposite of the, the benches? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was Thursday. So I checked again on Saturday night. I didn't check this morning, but I checked on Saturday night and that had been expanded to 13 sections and up to 21 rows mm-hmm. in those sections, which was phenomenal. And, like, kudos to the club for doing it. Yeah. And there's always been folks saying, oh, why don't you open the upper bowl? I mean, there is, as you just said, lots of reasons for that as well. I also wonder, like, it's great to have them in, but also I'm pretty sure a more intimate atmosphere where the crowd are all packed in and on the pitch and at the same level would also be a bit more beneficial than having a big chunk of fans in the was, was the bottom okay so twenty seven and a half thousand is the bottom right yeah so they'd sold twenty four all in the bottom by Wednesday as of they Wednesday sold, yeah so they probably sold a few more in the bottom so there'd maybe be a couple of thousand that were empty at the bottom Didn't but they were all, but they were all scattered yeah because on TV yeah. it looked great it looked great like it looked so like I, a yeah full, it's like full singles and doubles so if someone wants to bring a family of four and like to give you an example when I was walking to the game over the Canby Bridge. The traffic was queued way back. Yeah. And so that was a good sign. But then there was a dad that was walking behind me and he had his two young girls with him. And they were genuinely so excited. 
and it sounded like they hadn't been to a game this season, I don't know if about before, and then he was like, oh, that's the stadium, and they're like, oh, this is so exciting, this is so exciting, and I was like, if only you knew your hearts were about to get broken, <laughs> but but like in all in all seriousness, that's, that, me, and this is me we're talking about, an old curmudgeon, it warms my heart to hear those young girls so excited to be going to a Whitecaps game. It's so great for them on so many levels. Yeah. And as we talked about in the first part, some folk will have gone away a bit disappointed, but a lot of the casuals will have felt, that was that was an entertaining 90 plus minutes that I just had. I, I got to, to see a football match. I got to throw some shit at a referee. <laughs> I got oh. to see a head coach explode. <laughs> All that stuff does factor into it. But... If you just to, to get to the to kind of main crux of this this part, BC Lions opening it up, they've done it before. The Whitecaps have never done this before, and I think it it's proved a success. If you add in as well that they've opened uh, the upper ball for the Canada Australia Sinclair farewell yeah. in December, is this the start of big crowds coming back? to sporting events in Vancouver? Or is it just the big game mentality that Vancouver kind of rises to the occasion for? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. It, it is definitely, definitely encouraging. Um, this weekend, those two upcoming games, what the Lions have done this year, um, lots of excitement. Uh, I, I guess you, you got to hope that there's this just keeps going, it's better and better, right? That would be the ideal. Uh, um this Sinclair thing, like, yeah, I really, I don't know where things are at for right now. I really hope it sells out. Like, it, it's, it's, you talk about event. Like, this is Christine Sinclair's last ever international football matches. It's, it's like a one of a, it's not even just like a, it's not even like a World Cup qualification clinching match or something like that. This is like, this is like, yeah, for a friendly, it, you can't get any bigger. And in, in some ways, I'd argue that it's probably bigger than some, you know, competitive matches that they'll play, yeah. that they have played there or they will play there. Well, so, also, to like to give you a little bit of an insight, I was chatting with two different people this week that's involved with youth teams in BC. And they've sold sold over 100 tickets awesome. for members for this, for their own section. Awesome. So all these youth teams are getting a chance to get a section and they're shifting tickets. And that's what you want. I, I was worried with it being the Tuesday night, just how many kids you're going to get out. That, that's, going to be, event. that's going to be a problem and getting people in on time. There's going to be issues mm. for sure. And whatever, I just hope it's like, I I I hope for the the occasion of honoring someone as significant, significant as Christine Sinclair, that it sells out and as many people get in there to see as much of it as possible on time yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I think I also, I hope, I really hope she starts the game. I know she's been uh, substituting these last, these last games, but yeah, because it's her last one, you soon yeah. got to start her and then bring her off at some Summer point. Summer off, get the standing ovation. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Like, like remember we saw, we saw Lee Young-Kyo's last ever mm -hmm. football match, period. That was just, you remember how special it was, even though the season was over and whatever, there was no playoffs or whatever, hope or whatever. That was 2013, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, but it was such a great occasion to be a part of. You're like, it's like a part of footballing history, and that that was cool on a different level for a dude for someone who, a dude who's not Canadian, but it was had a, an illustrious career. This is for like one of, if not the most important Canadian footballers ever. 
right? And like yeah. it's yeah, it's very I don't know, it's very exciting, very special. I mean, it's going to be our, it's just going to be a whole magical evening. And like Christine Sinclair is somebody that doesn't like the limelight. She doesn't like all the press attention. She's already said she doesn't want surprises sprung on her on the night. She wants to know exactly what's happening. There will clearly be some, but it's it's going to be so tough for her. And I can't imagine what those emotions are going to be like for her. And I think she is going to get the massive crowd to, to do it. And I, I just I start to wonder, because obviously in, in the whole post-COVID world, folks been slow to get back to stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, COVID's still out there. It's still a thing. Folk are getting sick. I've known several people in the last couple of months that, that's come down with it or different walks of my life and stuff. And thankfully, I haven't touched wood um, from the, the latest one. But folk do seem to be a little bit more open now to being in crowds. And the White Cats attendances have been trending upwards. The, the Lions is a whole different sport as well. So we won't touch too much on that. But they've done well. They've had to work really hard and have... You could also argue things like the concert that they had. And a lot of it's kind of like false crowds because folk are going for other things. But, yeah. I mean, the Whitecaps drawn over 30,000 for this. It's hopefully folk are going to think, I want to come back. Yeah. Maybe not a season tickets, just the odd tickets, fan packs, whatever. And there, there wasn't any logistical things. One thing that worked good is it was announced as a 4.30 kickoff. So you think, oh, it's going to be 4.37. But it was actually 4.55. Yeah. Which, don't start me on that. I, I like I, I like the, I like that better. Stadium. Yeah, exactly. It's it's much better for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, as much yeah. as you'll annoy some people, I think you know that having people in the in the in the ground for kickoff outweighs the the people you're going to annoy by saying like, oh, I thought this was starting 25 minutes ago. But I mean, hopefully, it, it's the side of good things. Now, the kickoff time clearly helped. Mm-hmm. It afforded families to to get out. It's a school day the next day. Okanagan, Islanders. Yeah, folk coming from the interior, folk getting the ferry, folk maybe maybe weekend a weekend of it. But if you wanted to come and do it on a day trip, it was very doable. And these are all the things that's been missing for the games this year. And we talked about it in our earlier show, not just for the Whitecaps. We talked about it for other things as well, Vancouver <laughs> FC and trying to hit that sweet spot. So, I mean, Axel said when we spoke to him earlier this year, that his hands were tied this season. For kick that, off him. But it yeah. would be something they would look for. So I got a chance to ask him about that this week in his weekly press conference as to, with the success of this and with opening up the lower ball, is this now something that they might look at pushing to the league to have earlier kickoff times? Here's what he had to say around that. You'd mentioned earlier this year that your hands were obviously tied with kickoff times for this year. Has there been any discussions at the league about giving you more flexibility, showing like a good crowd like this for a 4.30 game? Is it something that the club's going to be pushing for more for next year to have some of these early starts, to allow folk to come in from the interior or from the island? Look, um... I would say there's 
there are always discussions uh, with the league, and the league is very open, and, and Apple and everyone who is involved in, in, in the setup of match times and the match day and, and the program around it is very open to looking at, into every, every possible solution, how we can make this league better, how we can increase a better our product, how we can increase followership. So obviously everything is on the table. I don't think this uh, this stage is the right one to 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 bring up all arguments and 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 have this discussion. The one thing I would say is that um, for the playoffs, clubs had the chance to select times um, different than the preset times of seven thirty in the league. And we see a lot of clubs have uh, tried alternative times. The game in LA was also at 5 p.m. local time. And uh, I think it will give us definitely a good picture into, um, into the impact of that. For us, for example, we will have uh, proof and we, we, we will actually have uh, probably a little bit more of, of uh, proof to our arguments that it impacts um, the ticket sales to, to groups, to uh, to soccer groups, um, youth soccer groups, and and families, and then we will we will see what is the best solution for for all partners at the table, and um, and I have always said we will continue to to work on that. We hear our audience. We have seen the surveys, our internal surveys, and um, for that reason, we have selected this time. It was our time that we have selected. We have pushed hard for it, and now fill up the upper bowl because then we have more of a strong argument um, for uh, an, another kickoff time in future. So Axel, talking a little bit about bringing it forward. Now, one thing Axel said a couple of times in press conferences this year, which has annoyed me a little bit, is this isn't the platform to discuss that. What well, it is, mm. it's a media press conference and we're asking you questions on it. Yeah. The ideal platform to discuss that. But he's hoping that they can now go to the league and say, look at the success of this. We don't want our games to be going at 7.30. We want to have some games at least that are on a Sunday that are at 4.30 so we can get the, these kind of crowds in. And at least they've got the numbers now to show... It, it it can be it can work it can be worthwhile yeah I, I i know you're someone who comes from a tradition where you know there's kickoff times certain days certain times whatever and it apple was trying to do that on, yeah. at least on some level and so i can appreciate that but i i do i do agree with with you and many people that say the the dates and time you chose aren't working yeah. or aren't working aren't working well enough now i'll be honest and say i love a 7 30 kickoff because I get to do stuff during the day, spend time with my wife, and then get to the game. Because I don't see my wife a lot at weekends because of all the soccer stuff that I do. I know it's it's not working. I I can admit, yeah, that's not the best time. It's great for me. It works for me. Mm-hmm. But for the club and for the general support, it's not the time it needs to be. Yeah. So hopefully, they have a bit of flexibility in that. I'm concerned they won't because <laughs> Apple's had these weird kickoffs as we talked about skc kicking off a game at 9 p.m local time ridiculous maybe, maybe you just need to talk to leo and see if he can talk to his friends at apple and get things sorted out then in all seriousness what would be an improvement for you like a, a wholesale change a 50 percent change and i i know hmm. it is good to have 
like a set kickoff time, especially on TV, because you know that game's on then. I can tune on then, and I know I'm going to get a game. But let's be brutally honest here: how many people are watching Apple to watch the Whitecaps? Do they care if they're on at seven thirty the same time as these other games or not? Probably not. So mm. I th- I think if clubs can make a business case, have some games at seven thirty, have some Sunday games, have some four. 4.33 kickoffs on a Saturday afternoon that you can have folk from the interior. Whether that's better earlier and later in the season and avoid the summer, because some of the so many other things going on, I don't know, is it better to have the nighttime games in the summer? Because then folk can go and do stuff during the day and then get out to a game at night. So I'd like to see a mix is my long-winded answer to the question that you just asked me. They had very few weekday games that were home, right? Yeah. I mean, weekday, I, I would like to avoid because it's just not drawing. That's I for have big concerns, though, for, for next season oh, yeah. because we've got Copa America, which you imagine is going to be yeah. a break for. Maybe Leagues not, Cup. Right? Leagues Cup, which there definitely will be a break for. And then you've obviously got Champions League and various things like that, Canadian Championship. Trying to fit all these games in. I don't know that there will be a break for, for Copa. There probably won't be. Which then you have to be like, well, if we're signing Canadian internationals, we need to make sure the depth's there. But that's a whole discussion for our end of season chat. But th- there isn't a sweet spot. That is the problem. And that's what Rob Friend told us with Vancouver FC. Everyone's mm. got a kickoff time that works for them and that they love. And it's, I guess, just finding through asking, through numbers, what that sweet spot is as best as you can. Yeah. So I don't envy them. But I just wanted to chat a little bit about attendances in this part. We've got one more part to go. We're moving away from MLS. We're going to be talking FIFA, World Cups. We'll be back with that. And our second Arts of the Month for November after this. Hi, guys. It's Rishi. You're listening to AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. 
And you may have recognised the song that kicked off this part. You should have. I wear it for my lady. The Canadian flag. Baby! You just celebrated your anniversary. Is that a reference to that? If Caitlin wants me to wear the Canadian flag, she'd probably want it over my face, to be honest, but... We've played it a lot. It's by a Glasgow band called The Yummy Fur, who I had penciled in as Artists of the Month because they were going to come and play here and then they cancelled the gig. I don't think that was for COVID. It all meshes into one now. So I thought, hey, our last hurrah, let's finally have The Yummy Fur as an Artist of the Month. So we'll bring you a selection of their songs over the month of November. That is a song taken from their 1998 third album, Male Shadow at 3 o'clock. Of course, 3 o'clock, the good time for kickoff times, as we talked about in the last part. But yeah, we'll have some more Yummy Fur, we'll have some more Dick Move over the month of November. Final part of the show, back to the football chat. Keep it Mm -hmm. focused, World Cup. And we'll kick things off with some exciting news. FIFA is giving the Canadian Premier League some money, Zach. Are you excited? Uh, well, hopefully this improves, uh, you know, goes to improve the league. Yeah. It's, I remember, you, I don't know if you if you got these, Michael, but back in the back in the day in like, the, I don't know, the 2000s, maybe early 2010s, FIFA used to put out a magazine called FIFA Magazine. And in it, they would report on all the different things oh. they were doing around the world. And they had all these different programs. And this one that you're about to talk about, I don't, I think it must be a new one or a newer one. Because I don't remember one going by this name, the forward. Oh, no, yeah. There used so, to be like the the goal the goal program or whatever, and it'd be like going to help build pitches around the world that you know places where they don't have pitches or putting in turf pitches and in climate you know places that have monsoons and hurricanes and whatever, um, and all that kind of stuff. And now it was sometimes in, in those places that there was you know uh, they would also take back funds or they would yeah. in the magazines there'd be reports of this government got involved and. So we're removing their funding or whatever while the situation gets, oh, you know, yeah. whatever. But um, but no, it's it's interesting to see that FIFA, I know you wonder if this is tie, somehow connected to the, the World Cup coming here, but FIFA oh, is... It's totally connected to the World Cup coming okay. here. Okay, cool. Sorry, I, I, re- I read the one article and I must have missed that. I didn't read the one you sent me. Ah. Um, okay, so that's great. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so that's, why, that's why this money is going to the men's stuff and not women's stuff then, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Because it's that, men's World Cup. Why. And they would have given Canada money for women's stuff or not? Well, they awkwardly announced after the success and growing the game in Canada after the Women's World Cup. And I was thinking to myself, I think the women players may disagree with that since they haven't got a professional league here yet. But I mean, you spoke about they would give money to countries that had been decimated by monsoons and hurricanes and stuff like that. I mean, they're giving it to a country now in Canada that's been hit by another natural disaster, which is also known as Canada Soccer, and a lack of funding that Canada Soccer has, because they announced on Thursday that the FIFA Forward 3.0 funding cycle, there's a name that just trips off the tongue, will see 2 million American dollars invested over the period of 2023 to 2026 in Canadian men's professional domestic soccer. FIFA's funding will go towards travel, accommodation and the match fees of the league's referees as well as support and travel and accommodation budgets of the teams. And 
the quote that came out from Andrea Pizzati, Association Regional Coordinators for the Americas, said, We are pleased to support the CSA and CPL through the FIFA Forward programme in creating opportunities for Canadian players to excel at the highest levels of domestic football. The CPL serves as a crucial component in Canada's football development pathway and looking back in the last five years, it's incredible to watch how it has grown and evolved into such an impactful, solid competition. And then they went on to mention about with the World Cup coming here and bringing players through and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's fantastic. Not a shitload of money. No, no. But for a, a league like the CPL that is, is struggling, it's great to have it. But my big question then about this is, if that money's coming in, hopefully this means it's then going to free up some money for VAR, VAR light, which as we talked about last time, yeah, seems like that isn't a pressing thing just now for the CPL. Oh no, the the VAR, VAR light is a very much a pressing issue that the owners have been talking about quite the a bit. The owners are, but Martin Noonan basically said there's more pressing things like investing in, in youth development and maybe they have to weigh up, is that as important as giving under 18 roster spots? Yeah, but yeah, well... I mean, this now might open up some extra money for that. Yeah, you hope it will. It's interesting. I mean, we just had a spent a significant time talking about officiating. Yeah. Um, so some of this is going to help with the officiating costs, which again, that's as if people don't know, that's handled by the CSA, right? Like obviously, yeah. the CPL will pay fees, but it's organized and overseen by the CSA. Yeah. But no, it also will help with essentially one of the biggest costs in the league, which is travel expenditures. So it'll be interesting to see. Yes. I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or off the show or both, but there was, I mean, we did talk about on the show. The, there was this thing where teams, if they were doing a, a long cross-country flight, they would only bring, they wouldn't oh, bring. Oh, no, yeah, we did talk about this. We yeah. talked about this? Yeah, okay. So um, I wonder if that'll go to improve. bring their full complement of subs is what we're yeah. saying. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that helps with that, especially for teams like Victoria, you know, Pacific and Vancouver FC and Halifax, who do the most of those mm. um, things. I, I think that is less less of an impact on Valor and, and Calvary, for example. This is a good thing for the league because we know the league is losing yeah. like millions. So uh, hopefully this yeah. might give a little boost to me because I mean, there, there's concerns. It's like, is the funding there to keep it going to 2026? Like, this isn't a lot, but it will certainly help. Yeah. And speaking of the this, this CPL uh, and international engagement, mm. we want to talk about, about TJ a bit? Yeah. So the Canadian under-17 roster was announced for the World Cup in Indonesia, which gets underway on Friday. 21-man roster named. Just two white caps made the final cut. Midfielder Jeevan Badwall and fullback Aiden Fong. They also have an alternate as well in case anyone pulls out. Wait, is Aiden is Aiden the guy you told me you expect to get an MLS deal? No, no, no. That was a different trial. guy. Oh, this is under seventeen. Yeah, Sorry. Long are the days when the Whitecaps had this peppered with like four, five, six, seven players. TFC's got tons of their academies in, but. I think what's very good and tying in with the CPL in this development is two CPL players have made the squad. Mm -hmm. Forges Kivon Tavernier and Vancouver FC's Tarek TJ Tahid. Now, Tavernier, I, I don't know too much about. He's another Brampton boy, whatever's in the water there. 
He's a Sigma mm. product, whatever's in the water with Sigma as well. And he only made two CPL appearances before us this year. I don't know him. I haven't watched him play. TJ Jahid, on the other hand, mm-hmm. one of the highlights for VFC's inaugural season. 16-year-old from Maple Ridge, breakthrough year after becoming the youngest signing in CPL history. Finished the season with 20 appearances, six of them starts. And considering he was away as well for international duty and missed some games, 554 minutes, three goals scored. That saw him get a call-up to the Canadian under-17 camps and friendlies in the build-up to this. Now in the full squad, scored in the pre-season or the pre-tournament friendly against Argentina as well in mm-hmm. a 2-1 loss, which was fantastic. But absolutely fantastic for him, Zach. Oh yeah, he yeah, he's such a nice kid as well. Yeah. I've spent just a little bit of time with him. Um, I c- genuinely can't believe he's only 16. I know he, he 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 seems older, right? Yeah, he looks older. He carries himself older. Yeah, he's got a new haircut every time we see him. Yes. <laughs> So that that t- that takes it back to being a yeah, maybe miss him because his his young young miss. I even said that to him last time. I was like, "Dude, I saw you last week. Your hair was different." Right? He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I was like, I'm "Just trying something out." <laughs> but no, I mean his his performances, his contributions on the field were were huge last year. Um, the three goals, one the Valor one was a winner. I think one of his earlier ones was a winner or in one of the. The wins. I can't remember his third one right now off the top of my head. But yeah, he it was it was huge. And yeah, the fact that he's local. And um I think we've told this story maybe at the beginning of the year, but I think was he in he was in the open trials, wasn't he? Because he is someone who's come through David Osted's academies out of the Tri-City areas, right? Out of like yeah. Port the first time I saw him play was in those preseason friendlies at the the yes. field, the stadium. And David David showed up, and I was like, "Hey, Dave, what are you doing here? What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, we're talking whatever." He's like, "This is this kid is my player, like a player that's like I'm here. I'm supporting him and trying to get him whatever they're going to sign him. They're, they're they, he, they, him, him or others from the club had told me, you know, they're trying to get this rule through so that they can sign him because he's so young and." trying to make a new a new pathway which they did this year which was great and um so yeah so david's been out at a bunch of matches and supporting him and watching him grow and yeah just really it's really really cool it's one yeah like you said definitely one of the highlights of the year has been watching him come through and him grow and yeah so excited for so excited for this next little chapter that he has because he also like james cameron who's off uh, in England, uh, having training stints with, uh, you know, uh, English clubs, like he, he's been at Luton and he's supposed to go other, I think other English clubs, but maybe also other European clubs after that. Um, I think TJ, you'll see the same from TJ. TJ yeah. will have one or two, will visit one or two countries in Europe to do some training as well. Also, if he has a standout tournament, it's there's going to be some interest there. Except for, can they move him at 16? I don't know if they, you know, they might have to wait till he's a little Ooh, bit older. I forget, I forget. How, things have always changed and all that. So, yeah. But no, good but hopefully he has a good tournament. Hopefully he goes and has some good some good sessions o- over in Europe mm. and comes back and lights things up. And whether it's next year or when he turns 18 or it's a pre-deal or whatever's possible, it would be great to see him move on and continue to progress and be uh one of the kind of those first, you know, players that you know made his initially made his professional name at at Vancouver FC. 
yeah, fantastic for the club, fantastic for the player, and as you said, such a, a great guy as well. We got a chance to chat to TJ at the end of season availability that Vancouver FC had, so I'll bring you some audio from that just now, just TJ chatting about being involved with Canada and his first season as a pro with VFC. TJ, um, obviously with the call-up to the men's under-17, was must have been a huge honour for you and, and a very exciting opportunity. How did playing for Vancouver and you know coming in a little later into the team, being able to make such an impact, help you get to that point of being able to represent Canada at the under-17 level? Yeah, um, playing with uh, the men um, at such a young age, it helps a lot both technically and physically. Um, and also in the way I think in the game. Um, and then going back into my own age, uh, I feel like that puts me ahead, uh, being able to bring those stuff that I've been playing uh, in the CPL, uh, taking it uh, to the World Cup. I feel that'll, that'll really push me forward um, and be able to become one of the leaders on the team. TJ. When you when you were signed this season, when you signed your pro deal, did you imagine you were going to get the minutes that you got and that this season? I know the clubs maybe not had a great season, but for you as an individual, it's been a, a fantastic season. Was it better than what you were expecting? Yeah, there is um, lots and lots of milestones that uh, that were crossed uh, and achieved, uh, both as a team and as a player uh, individually. Uh, definitely. Getting all those minutes, I feel I've I've worked for them, and I've been able to come in and help the team as much as I could during the season, um, and hope to do even more next season. So the, the TJ that came in to preseason training to the TJ that we're seeing now, how has your game grown? Yeah, it's grown a lot uh, under all the coaches, all, under all the staff here uh, at Vancouver. Um, it's really progressed me a lot compared to where I started in the season. I feel like I'm a whole different player in a better way. How, how do you cope with, uh, every player wants to play all, all the time, nonstop, whatever, but you're, you're a young player playing in a fully professional men's league. And so they were never gonna let you play all the time, right? How did you cope with uh, how they, how Afshin and the staff, how they brought you in, they brought you out, they limited you, your starts, all that kind of stuff, tied in with, of course, being away and all that other stuff. Like, how, how did you cope with the, hey, you're not the, the the big fish in the little pond anymore, you're a good-sized fish in a bigger pond? Uh, yeah, uh, just every day of training, just um, being with the guys, knowing that I'm also at that level. Uh, even if I didn't get picked, I know I have work to do. Uh, and I'll put in the work and then earn my spot back in the team. Um, and yeah, so it was just that hard work. Obviously, you score some incredibly important goals, wonderful goals. Um, so what did those mean for you? But also, are there things, share, share with us were some of the other meaningful things maybe we didn't see or we didn't pick up on for, for you in your first year? Yeah, no, um, so obviously the goals being the first my first season, it's a big thing for me. Uh, pretty proud of it. Um, the things you didn't see um, were just all the work that 
me and the whole team had put in, even though um, it may uh, not have gone our way during the season, uh, but all the work that we were putting, uh, or all the work we had uh, not on the field uh, on, during game day, uh, it was um, it was a lot, but we went through it. We learned from our mistakes, um, and you could you start to see that during the end of the season, how uh, tactically we were much better um, and more disciplined in the back and in in attack as well as like scoring goals um, and just the chemistry between everyone um, that really grew throughout the season. Of your of your goals, which is your favorite? Um, I would say the forge, the forge one. I mean the yeah, the forge one, uh, the win at home. Yeah, that was a very special win with such a such a young lineup, um, and just the meaning of that at the time. Forge was at the top, um, and just beating them at home uh, in front of my family, my friends. It was just a, a very good feeling. Throughout the season, I'm sure you've had a lot of people who have helped you out in different stages of your uh, development throughout the season. But I'm curious, who are some of the names that you can think of in the dressing room who have given you a little bit of advice or a little tidbit here and there that have really helped you step up to the next level uh, this year? Uh, yeah, definitely Callum for sure. Um, uh, for a few of the road trips, we were roommates. So um, it was good seeing how he was as a professional, learning from him. Uh, also in the locker room, Rocco. Rocco's a big leader, he, uh, very helpful and everything. Um, and then all the other young guys, it's just fun fun to be around uh, uh, and have guys to relate to uh, off the field and on the field. Uh, they've been in similar situations. Uh, and yeah, it's just, um, over the season, it's just become a culture in the locker room. Um, and yeah. TJ, I know it's you don't know one way or the other yet whether you are going to be in the final World Cup squad, but if you are, that chance to go and play in that, represent your country, go to what would be a magnificent experience in Indonesia, what would that mean to you? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pride in that. Um, and just representing the country I grew up in, uh, the country I'm from, it's, um, it's a big thing to ask, but... Uh, at the end of the day, everyone everyone's there to fight and to show that they're the best. Um, and I feel that uh, to to continue my my career, how it's going, um, I just had to keep working um, and fight fight until until I can't anymore. So good luck to TJ, the rest of the squad. The group stage runs from November 10th to 18th. Canada's in Group B alongside Spain, Uzbekistan and Mali. First game is this Friday, the 10th, against Spain. Crap kickoff time though for us out here. 5am Pacific time that one goes. Then you've got Uzbekistan the 13th and then Mali on the 16th. Games should be on TSN though. Um, they usually are, so hopefully PVR those. But 
yeah, fingers crossed. It's a, I mean, you look at it and you think, oh, it's Uzbekistan and Mali. That you can get through that. It's not like that at this level. No, and no. Uzbekistan showed, I think at the under twenty World Cup as well. They've got a good crop of young players coming through at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, but good luck to Canada. That is it for the show. Football chat-wise, we've still got this episode's wavelength to bring you, and I'm I'm bringing a a very futuristic song to you this week. It's a fun one because we're going to look to the future in the shows coming up with our end of season chat. Look ahead to next year. This is a a song from 1978, and it's a song about Wrexham. They've been in the news. Watched their FA Cup game this weekend, which was a Really good 2-1 win. Watched it on S4C, which is the Welsh language station. Mm. I've got the app for it and my VPN. Do you speak Welsh? I don't. Oh, okay. But I watched the first half in Welsh. Then the second half started and it said, for English, press the red button, which is the thing <laughs> that we've got in the UK. And I was like, yeah, yeah. well, if there's a red button, that must mean there must be something on the app. And yep, change the audio to English. Was that, you like that better? I actually preferred the Welsh. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it was quite it's fun. nice listening in a different language sometimes. Oh, Welsh, Welsh is a weird language. But yeah, Wrexham did well. They got through. They're into the second round. So this is a song from back when they were in the Football League the first time around, from 1978, by a singer called Vic Blackwell. It's from a four-track, seven-inch single. This is a song called Red Machine. Perpetual motion Blazing like a sun A trilogy of dreams Exploding on a world Invincible supreme The legendary red machine Dead eye dick with a laser beam The legendary red machine Constellation, a superhuman force of devastation, power in reserve, computerized control, light years in advance, blasting to its goal, the legendary red machine.
Blackwell, Red Machine, futuristic stuff there, the legendary Red Machine, with a kick like a laser beam. That is it for our show though now, Zach. Just any final thoughts from you? Uh, no, I didn't say it in the last part or whatever, in part three. Uh, just kudos to uh, all the people at the Whitecaps for, for all the work that went into getting the 30,000 people in and setting making history. Kudos to Axel as well, as he kind of is the captain of that ship. And um, looking forward to seeing what they're going to do in the offseason, how they're going to improve, who they're going to hang on to, who they're going to uh, decide to move on from, uh, and any moves they're going to make. Looking forward to talking to you about that, because that's always a, a good yeah. time to speculate. We'll decide um, on that next week. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to say, too, I didn't say when we were talking about the you're talking about you know the events in vancouver but yeah if you haven't got tickets for uh the uh, christine sinclair game here i think the victoria game is sold out because the stadium is only yes, five thousand or whatever yeah. so um yeah if you don't have tickets for the game in vancouver uh, i encourage you to to get some of those and come be a part of what will be a, a historic and memorable evening yeah it should be an absolutely fantastic occasion we'll focus a, a lot more on it in the build-up to that as well probably not on next week's show but maybe the the week after that for me i've just been watching a lot of college football i was commentating on the canada west final four on thursday and friday at ubc so that was a lot of fun got some nice feedback from the coaches and some players and players mums when i do the commentary and some folk might think, oh, that's not a very professional commentary, but I love doing this. I, I get people that's watching to send me tweets or to email me with comments on the game, where they're watching from, whatever. And I love it, the interactive broadcast from it. We had folk from Bangkok, from Hong Kong that were watching the 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 women's final four on, on Friday. Uh, so, I mean, that that's always great to, to have that stuff fed back to you. Sadly, UBC didn't win the the championship game. Your Trinity West Yeah, Yeah. good for them. Went to a penalty shootout. Yeah, I saw some of your... Friday, I commentated on two nil-nil draws in medal games and two penalty shootouts. It was a lot of talking and no goals to call at the end of it all, which was a little bit annoying. But (laughs) they were entertaining games, but... UBC's men also then lost their championship game to the Mount Royal Cougars on Saturday. And as it's turned out with who else has won different conferences, not winning the championship game has probably given the UBC teams the easier path at nationals that get underway. So they've got a possibly better path. And I actually spoke to Graham Roxborough from Trinity Western after the, the win and I went... Probably got a more tricky path now. It's like, yep, we talked about that going into this game. So basically, 
That's a long way of saying U-Sport Nationals gets underway on Thursday. The men go at Cape Breton. The women are in Kingston, Ontario. It will be on CBC and various like YouTube, CBC Gem, and then the finals might be on the main CBC. I'm not sure. Are you, are you no more commentating for like a few months now? No, that's me. That's me done. That's my last game. The White Caps oh. over now as well. I'll, I'll be getting out to the VMSL games, I'm... but all good things have to come to an end. Whether that is the White Caps 2023 season, where they've won two cups and are in the Champions Cup for next year, made mm. the playoffs. Whether it's Vancouver FC season, they played games and a, a guy made Canada's under-17 team. Or whether it's this episode of the podcast, it is finally an end. We'll be back with another one soon. Thank you for listening to our nonsense. Thank you for Har for joining us. Mm-hmm. Until next time, take care and mon their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.